I don't even know how to start this one. Here comes the Power Rangers, jungle furries, jungle furries. They're furries. Protecting us from the evil Daishi flan. (laughs) (laughs) Rangers at residence of Ocean Bluff, California. uh, This is like the least California. Jungle jungle (laughs) karma pizza. Rangers and residents of Jungle Karma Pizza. Wait, no, Welcome. no, wait, 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 wait. Rangers and employees of Jungle Karma Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my favorite Envy, Kennedy. Hi. Uh, I've got bars today. Uh, today, we are reviewing Power Rangers Jungle Fury. A surprising season, to say the least. A lot of unexpected things. Interesting time. And kind of gets good. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into the season itself, you're probably thinking to yourself, where's the best and worst? Uh, We had a scheduling issue, and it'll come out next. Just deal with it. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) yeah unfortunately we had to do the the season review first before the best and worst but that's not to say that this is a bad season because this is but we literally just finished watching it today yeah and we we like to just watch the finale and then record these season reviews really yeah uh we watch the finale typically together and uh Mm -hmm. in this case i was very happy to watch the end of the season with you because it's one of those seasons where like Again, this is pulling back to the Lost Galaxy era, but <laughs> we literally watched like five episodes together. We used the filler more, guide for this season. More. We watched like That's six. Eight. No. Was it eight? We skipped like four episodes in the beginning. I know, but we still watched like 11 or 12 episodes together. Or, you know, up to 11 or 12 is what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, I'm so we watched them to like... <laughs> Using the filler guide, sorry for the messy intro. Uh, <laughs> using the filler guide, uh, we got up to episode 12 together. And like episode 11 and maybe like 10 or so, we were starting to see like, okay, this season's got a little bit going for it. You know, maybe we can push past the initial speed bumps and be able to continue from there. And uh, we ended up stopped watching a large portion of the season together and then caught back up at the end. But yeah. honestly, this was another season where the beginning takes a tumble. Like I think they're, they're honestly struggling at this point with this new season, new Rangers formula a little bit. Like, I think that there were some benefits. I do think there are some benefits to the way that they do things now. But I do think there were some benefits to the way that, you know, we'd always have like kind of some rangers rolling through and some context and stuff in previous, you know, the really old, obviously at this point, seasons um, from MMPR to In Space. And there's a lot of benefits to that. Like when we think about the intro to In Space, we know four of the rangers pretty well at the start of In Space. 
Now, we learn a lot more about them and come to like them a lot more. But still, like, we agreed even during Turbo, when the Ranger switchover happened, Turbo got slightly better. We liked the new Rangers. These characters had potential, you know? And so we already knew them and liked them a little bit. And that meant that the In Space intro knew that, you know, their average viewer kind of knew a little bit about these characters already and took advantage of that and didn't have to spend a bunch of time introducing them and could just focus on, like, the important themes for the intro, stuff like that. And it allowed it to get this, like, pace going faster. What we see with a lot of these seasons where it's entirely self-contained in one season is some of them don't know how to get the pace going. I think Lightspeed is the best example of one that did. Like, they got the ball rolling right away. The chemistry was there. The writing was there. Mm -hmm. The fighting was there. The ranger suits were there. The Zord fights were there. It was all, like, it was one of those rare seasons where, like, everything was firing on all cylinders. But in general, Power Rangers doesn't fire on all cylinders till you get to, like, the middle of the season. Especially during the Disney era. Because even Ninja Storm had a hard time. As much as we love Ninja Storm, Ninja Storm did have a hard time getting the ball rolling. Had a strong intro, or at least like a good intro. And then like it tumbled in episode three, as we all know. And then like from there, you know, you were still kind of like on the but fence about it. Storm, but... Episode three was frustrating as opposed to offensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like SPD really like it wasn't good until like shadow ranger started coming in and it was never that i mean but anyway let's not get into that so yeah i was trying to like i was thinking of like what like i was like what if we did like a top 10 of our favorite power rangers episodes from from like all the seasons or something like that and i was going over like what would be a 10 for all of the seasons and uh spd doesn't have any hundred <laughs> yeah, percent the further I get from it, I really like it less, even. Like, I really... I, not, like, by a ton. I, I don't know that I'd drop the score by a lot, but I might even go back and drop my score by a half a point should I listen to that again. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, we were really, like, trying hard to find something to like with that season. So Maybe not as hard as, like, Dino Thunder, but for sure, like, SPD was kind of hard. Especially since, like, we watched a good number of those episodes and... We had to just accept the fact that the Power Rangers bullied immigrants like every day of their and lives. Neurodivergent people and black people and just yeah, kind of women too sometimes. Just like anyone that's not a straight white male, you know, pretty much getting the boot yep. on their neck. That's SPD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's not talk about Dino Thunder because that's like the only season where like they actually don't do teamwork. Like it's <laughs> it's more just like a being a Power Rangers a blase thing. So it's unfortunate because Jungle Fury the first kind of ten ish episodes are pretty mediocre to bad even. Um, and I, I mean, I, at one point I was like ready to be very angry at this season, especially because of things like Flit's commentary which is like one of the most horrible decisions they've ever made. And they realized this, thankfully. But, oh God, having the Zord fights commentated like they're a wrestling match by this annoying little fly creature. <sighs> yeah, Flit was definitely a problem. Whenever like there was a labor issue involved, 
the show like had a bad time handling it. Oh yeah. With the, the pizza shop. And thankfully, you know, things did get better. Uh, episode 12, I think is when it really starts to like progress into a good show. Um, episode 12 is a, one of the picks for our best and worst. So you'll hear more about it there. But basically, it took RJ getting his comeuppance for the show to really like start flying. I'd say there were a couple of things, really. RJ was a huge one. He's very irritating at first. And I have to be honest, like his appropriative white hippie speak and shit that he does all the way through the season, unfortunately, and never goes away entirely. Like, that, honestly, is, like, a half a point off the whole season for me. Like, sometimes RJ's dialogue is so cringe that I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I would be... This is one of those things where it's, like, part of how I feel about every season is how I would, like, feel recommending it to somebody else. And, like, I don't want to have to defend RJ using words like powwow inappropriately. You know? (laughs) It's, yeah, that is cringe, and unfortunately, that doesn't ever fully go away. But it's way worse at first. Like RJ is so cringe at first. He's always like, basically talking like he thinks he's the Dalai Lama, and it's just weird. <laughs> That's a tough one. But then also, there's other things that really need to improve. They're really awful to Fran at first, and they code her very neurodivergent, especially at first all the way through to a large extent but especially at first they really kind of play up this like she likes books she's not so good with people she sometimes doesn't know how to say what she means because she's not so good with people and in these ways that are like i don't know it's just very weird before they improve that it's a big problem theo and lily also get a lot better casey actually kind of holds it down a little bit Although, like, eventually he kind of falls in a gap where his character needs to improve, but that comes later. But I have to say, Casey was one of the only things keeping me going a little bit in, like, episodes, like, I don't know, like, the, like, 5 to 10 range. Yeah, like, it's it's one of those things where it's just, like, who are you going to root for, right? Like, as a viewer watching this show, who are you supposed to root for, and are those characters good people? Yeah. This, who are we supposed to root for and do we really like them is a big question, like you're saying. And I think at the beginning, it's hard to like the Rangers very much. It's hard to like RJ very much. You don't yeah. even really like some of their mentors when they're first introduced as much as you'll like them later. You struggle to kind of root for the heroes. One of the other things that keeps you going, though, a little bit in this early period is Daishi. Um, slash Jared. Yeah, so basically, like, for those not in the know, this is an American shonen. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not, it, it's not a, it's not a normal American television show where, like, oh, here comes five rangers, they're morphed up, you know, they've got their high school-ish problems, etc., etc. You know, there's a moral lesson of the week. Let's just, let's just start straight from the top. So welcome to the jungle. We've already reviewed. That's our intro um, intro episodes of the season. We gave it pretty much like a seven and six or eight and six. You know, the second episode is pretty weak, uh, mostly because, again, as we said, RJ is really hard to digest. 
we get followed up with Sigh of the Tiger, which yeah. is our pick for worst. And it's basically RJ doing this uh, Mr. Miyagi type shit, wax on, wax off, karate kid type bullshit. And that's when we're like, holy shit, this, this is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, this is worse than like Shane being an asshole. You know, like, I just, the appropriativeness, I feel, is definitely a derogatory mark against RJ. But also, like, RJ is white, right? Casey's white. So it's kind of, like, just seen as, like, it's fine. But I would... And I we had a conversation with a, a friend about this, a mutual friend. But, like, the Mr. Miyagi doing menial household tasks to be able to do kung fu moves, it's not a good story. It doesn't yeah. make for good plot at all. Because it looks really shitty. You look like a shitty human being ordering some ar- somebody around doing household tasks and you're disguising it as like kung fu training. Yeah. So realistically, that episode definitely gets the worst of from us. So the next episode we watched was Way of the Master. Camille sends out Pangolin to attack the city for preparation of the Sky Overlord's resurrection. The rangers must seek out the jungle mace to defeat Pangolin. But unfortunately, Master Fant has left Paishwa and no longer wants to help. So Lily still has faith that the old master is still inside of the hermit. Touched by her hope, the master teaches her the technique of the elephant. This episode is basically uh, ripping from the plot of uh, that Star Trek DS9 episode uh, (laughs) that we had to watch for Gay Space Cast. Go check out our collab with them if you haven't. Yeah, I think that's coming out either the week this episode releases or the following week. Uh, But Way of the Master, I think, was when we were starting to be like, all right, this can be a little bit pog. Because mostly because the action sequences were really good. But also Lily proved herself a little bit here. This is when we start to like her more. She's not super, she's not like unlikable at first, but she's not super likable at first. And you start to get a little bit of like, oh, maybe Lily's like an okay character after this episode. Um, also, like, I do think that the whole Master Fant thing, you start to feel like this could be kind of cool with these ancient masters and stuff. Like, there's, there's maybe something here. Yeah. The, the whole like Kusanagi. Weapon, I think, was really good, even though they call it Jungle Mace. Uh, you know, I played with that weapon in Neo. I know how Pog it can be. It looks just as Pog on the screen when they do yeah. it here. So ultimately, like, the fighting, I think, really saves it. Lily believing in the old man just really rem- reminded me of the DS9 episode so much. I'm like, just leave the boomer alone. But <laughs> hey, it's it's Power it Rangers. Also, yeah, it works out. I think what we're... Part of what works about this, and then this starts to build on a trend that we're going to see a lot of that works well, is that uh-huh. they don't just, like, get a Zord or, like, here's your new battle axe, you got it from a statue or some bullshit. Like, they train with a guy. Yeah. You know, like, a lot of stuff in this, in this season involves them actually, like, doing training to learn how to use a new weapon or power and that applies to the villains as well. Um, Dai Shi slash Jared 
is training a lot during these times. You know, like, which actually, this makes a lot more sense than how they handle this shit a lot of the time, where the villain is supposed to be all super powerful, but, like, I guess they're kind of lazy, um, and they just want to sit in a throne and just order some people to go out and do something and whatever. Like, Daishi has this situation where he's like, I'm trying to get really, really powerful so that I can get things back to the way they were 10,000 years ago when I almost took over the world. And I'm going to do a bunch of training too. Yeah. Not to mention that the the big thing about this is that Daishi is actively powering up. Yeah. Like, you could tell Daishi's power level is like, getting higher and higher and higher as time goes on because he starts learning like new moves right he starts doing like energy blasts and kamehamehas and like doing kaioken-esque techniques and stuff like that so like while all this is going on daishi and camille who's this character that basically is his servant and she's been around forever I'm guessing like the past 10,000 years, she's like a chameleon, but also she's a human. Yeah. She talks a little bit about, we don't know exactly what happened entirely in the 10,000 years, but she talks about being trapped for a long time in this one specific room and being really bored and like almost losing her mind basically. So, uh, we do kind of know that, like, she, she's just kind of been waiting around for Daishi to come back for the most part. And she's, like, had very little ability to do anything else. So the return of Daishi for her is like, yes! Um, Daishi was like, I loved him 10,000 years ago. We were, like, this evil power couple. Or at least that's what I wanted. Maybe he, not so much him. You know, now that he's back, like, we're gonna get, we're gonna take over the world again. And I'm finally not bored. You know, that's just, like, basically where she's at. But it starts to get complicated for her. Yeah. There's not too much to say about the next uh, non-filler episode, Good Karma, Bad Karma. Has a pretty shitty A plot. Uh, but the B plot is basically like Daishi wanting his good memories of Jared erased from his mind. So that way Daishi can take control. Well, actually, Carnosaur is the one who orders that. Because at this point, see, like we said, Daishi is getting trained too. So the rangers pick up these masters who teach them stuff and, like, help them grow. But also, Daishi starts to pick up these masters. So he summons these, like, ancient evil spirit beast things. Starting with Carnosaur. Then comes Jellica. Then comes... I always get his name slightly wrong, but it's, like, Grizaka? Grizaka? Something like that? Grizaka, yeah. Yeah. These three all kind of, like, train him to some extent, but it's all, like, kind of different. Carnosaur very directly takes Daishi under his wing, so to speak. He's bird-themed. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you really strong, Daishi. Don't worry. Like, I, I, I've learned all these techniques. I'll teach them to you. I remember how strong you used to be. This is going to be great. And has that attitude towards it. And so with that in mind, Carnosaur takes Daishi back into Jared's past. Because Jared still exists as a part of Daishi, even if Daishi has possessed him. And is like, okay, we're going to go back to all of your memories where you ever, like, did something good or something good happened to you, and we're going to make you remember that it was bad instead. 
Like, it's actually pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to change your memories to where you were just a shitty human being all the time. Yeah. you. Which actually people. makes the ending better, too. Like, I think we, like, forgot about this plot point now no, that we're reviewing it. About it. I was thinking about it, actually. That's okay. why I was like, eh, this kind of works. Um, yeah. Because, like, Jared really, like, he was already a jerk and a bully. And he admits this at the end. Um, but, like, after Carnosaur wipes out his good memories, it's like there's very little for Jared to cling to left. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and Except so, Camille. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, really, you know? And Camille herself is having some kind of issue, you know? She's like, she's kind of realizing, especially as these more and more evil, like, folks show up and start either, like, joining forces or becoming Daishi's mentor or different things. She starts to realize that, like, she's not as evil as these people. She starts to kind of be, like, the odd one out at different times. And she's always kind of in this place where she's sort of, like, it's like the person in, like, the, the royal court drama who it's like they're always on the verge of, like, being thrown out of the court or beheaded or something, but then they always manage to just barely squeeze through by some act of God or whatever, you know? like Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's Camille. And, and so she, she starts to be in this difficult position a lot, and that helps to influence her character where she's kind of slowly starting to be like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm in love with Daishi or Jared. And also, I'm not sure if I'm evil. That's more of like an endgame thing, I would say. In, in the beginning, though, she's definitely still like, I'm subservient to Daishi no matter what. Because I know that he is going to be the ultimate like, entity being in the whole universe. So I will obviously serve him because I am well aware of his power. Yeah. But I think uh, even before she fully accepts, like, this conflict, even as far back as, like, when she goes to the pizza shop and meets with Fran, Camille is starting to have these, like, conflicts about what's going on. Right. Before we get to that, though, we've got Blind leading the blind, which is when we get introduced to Master Swoop. So we've already got Lily's master, right, who is this old boomer who's like, fuck off, I don't want to train anybody. And he's like, all right, fine, I guess. Right? I mean, to be fair, the dude, it looks like he's like 84 or something. Yeah, he's like, just <laughs> let me die. <laughs> like, I just want to, like, be in solitude for the rest of my life. I did martial arts for 67 years of my life. <laughs> All of my friends are in the astral plane. Just let me go. Just let me go. <laughs> Master Swoop, however, is this, like, Neo character. Uh, like, literally, just, like, straight off the Matrix. He, he has the black trench coat. He can do the martial arts. And uh, he has the spirit of the bat. And he trains Theo in this one. And, yeah. yo, and he's, like... He's blind and he wears sunglasses all the time. And he trains Theo to fight uh, blind. And it's a whole thing with some of that as well. Yeah, Master Swoop... He doesn't fully show all of his coolness in this episode, but he does, he is kind of cool. And like again, this like let's train the rangers. 
Not like you find a dagger in a cave and you get a new Zord. But you go find a new master. And that master is like, Ah, let me show you my secret weapons and techniques. But only if you're strong enough. Like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Swoop's whole thing is that he can basically, like, fly? Levitate? Something. He can swoop. Yeah. <laughs> Get swooped on. <laughs> and his special weapon is a fan and theo gets the fan and it's pretty pog i'm like yo this is this is pretty sick this is pretty sick this is going somewhere uh and then we get episode 12 which we'll reveal in the best of episode but casey meets basically rj's father and gets uh yeah, he gets like two short swords out of it, and that's also pretty pog. And then we get right into Ghost of a Chance. So yeah. all of these, uh, all of these power-ups that they've been given have given them like new zords, new weapons, etc. And they start to feel like they're hot shit. And uh RJ's like, nah, dog, you guys need to like go back to basics because you you you're thinking. You're thinking you can't be defeated, but you haven't seen the worst yet. And so, to which we say, yeah, of course. It's like episode 13, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're like, nah, we're not scared of anything. We can't be beaten by anything. And, you know, they are dunking a lot. They are getting a lot. And so it's like some of this confidence is warranted, but certainly not all of it. And RJ, yeah, yeah literally tells them, go practice your basic forms and stances. And then the rangers are like, fuck you, dude. What do you know? And they, like, storm out and get beer and cigarettes. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, but, of course, RJ is right. Because what happens, things start to get way out of control way fast. Um, Daishi is way more powerful than before now. So Daishi has been soloing his masters like constantly this guy is like has the rise and grind mindset the minute he wakes up to the minute he goes to sleep he is training with carnosaur you know so angelica at this Jel point angelica but at this point yeah we got to mention Jelica does this thing <laughs> where she's like i want to train camille i would rather train a woman i don't give a shit about you daishi and 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 Daishi is like, what the fuck? I summoned you to train me, me. I'm the big guy. And Jellica's like, nah, I'm. I don't want to do it. I'm gonna train Camille. And then Camille starts to get kind of obstinate about it. Like, I don't know if I want to be trained. I like Daishi wants to be a big villain. I literally just want to chill at the palace and like hang out. I I, I don't know if I need all this training, you know. <laughs> and uh, all this shit starts going on. And then Jellica's like. Actually, I'm not owned by all of these things not going like I planned. I meant to train Daishi the whole time. I, I definitely wasn't fooled or pranked in any way. And she's like crying. You know, spaghetti's coming out of her pockets and shit. And she's like, I'm not she's owned. Like, you don't understand. Yeah, she's very much like... She's saying it without not saying it, but she's just like, I love Daishi and I want to make him happy. So I'd rather you trained him. Angelica is just like, fine. 
Like it's kind of like uh it's it produced like an awkward moment where she like had to admit like her feelings for Daishi a little bit. But she couldn't like outright say it because it's like I don't know if Daishi would actually reciprocate my feelings or not. This is yeah. by the way, that was episode eleven, pushed to the edge, essentially. And like pretty much since pushed to the edge, Daishi and Camille have been constant stars of every episode. They they don't falter. They don't miss. So because Dai Shi has been getting more and more powerful over time and been training with the masters and all this other stuff one-on-one, -on -one, uh, he was able to beat the Rangers here. And basically, RJ had to come to the rescue. Dai Shi ends up capturing him, and it leaves the Rangers without their master. So the Rangers go back to the Pai Shua Academy, and Master Mao appears and sends them to the spirit world to train with the fallen masters. So the spirit world, the spirit world is essentially heaven, an astral plane you go to when you die. Uh, but it, all I know is it's filled with a bunch of cherry blossoms. There's four masters. And hey, they were able to train the rangers and they were able to get new powers from it. All in all, like, it's pretty good. It's pretty pogged up. It's more like shonen type shit. But the way that they trained the mask, like the way that the masters trained the rangers wasn't like a fist fight, but it was to get them to overcome their fears. And I feel like that this was like a gamble. Like mm -hmm. they really didn't need to do that. They could have just did like a, some sort of fight sequence. But instead they're like, you must overcome your fears to unlock the next level of Pai Shua. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Casey's fear is the worst one of all. Casey is still afraid of the dark, or at least the monsters in his closet. And it kind of brings me back to episode one when like he cowered before Jared. And I'm like, dog, aren't you guys like 22, <laughs> 23? <laughs> like, come on now. Who, who's that afraid of someone to be like absolutely terrified? And he's kind of afraid of like the monster in his closet, much the same. And he like tries to admit to himself that he's not. And I'm like, nah, homie. <laughs> like, after all this talk, after all this fucking shit talk and all mm -hmm. this stuff, you're still a little kid. Get the fuck out of here, Red Ranger. And this is when I go, man, Casey's like not that good of a Red Ranger, huh? Yellow Ranger, Lily. Lily's, oh, I remembered everybody's ranger names. Lily's fear was of spiders. Spiders, yeah. Sensible, makes sense. They're creepy totally, looking. Honestly, very relatable. I, if it's you put me in a cave that full of spiders and spider webs, I would also be uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we get to Theo. <clears throat> honestly, this is Theo's most honest character moment outside of like maybe two other moments here. Yeah. But he's afraid of speaking in public or doing like a public presentation. And they but want in this, him to sing. Yeah. They want him to do karaoke. And, and he's like, like I, don't, I don't sing. I don't do public speaking. I don't do anything like this. No. And, uh, you know, of course, like the lesson is somewhat obvious, but honestly, it works. Like they, 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 they make it all work pretty well. You know, like, yeah, you got to face, you can't keep claiming you're fearless when clearly you do have fears. And even if you face these ones, like part of the lesson too, is like, even if you face these fears right now, it doesn't mean that you're like 
fearless forever just because you had this experience, you know? <clears throat> and, like, I, I felt like all of that was pretty well handled, pretty well written for the most part. I like these ancient spirit world masters. They're kind of interesting and curious in their own ways. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, a lot of this was kind of, like, you really started to feel like, you know what? This is going places. Um, because episode 12 was pretty good. The episodes before that were starting to get better. Actually, I mean, episode 12 was very good. It was one of our choices for best. Like, these two episodes were really strong overall. Lots of great fight scenes. Yeah, um, I think what saves the show more than anything is that if you can't count on the character moments at the pizza shop or any of the dialogue, you can count on the fights. The action is actually really up a level in this season i feel like like any, they, anything we've ever seen i i don't think we've gotten action because like even the american film stuff was really good too it really felt like it was an anime i was talking to my wife about um the show while we were watching it because i was doing doordash and we were waiting at the walmart um and like i was watching it on the laptop and i was like literally like close your eyes Picture it's animated. Isn't this an anime? Like, honest to God, mm -hmm. isn't this a fucking shonen like Dragon Ball Z? There's a lot of shonen. Hunter aspect. x Hunter. You know what else makes this season kind of nice is that they did a really good job of making the blend between the American footage and the Sentai footage really mm -hmm. seamless. It's hard to tell the difference in film quality. Every now and again, you can kind of see it, but like they filmed in very similar styles and standards. Um, they also did a lot of stuff very carefully in terms of the cuts that they made and the kinds of shots that they used to fill things in so that um, uh, it was very consistent feeling all the way around. So they like, for instance, in a lot of previous seasons, there's this tendency of like, okay, if we switch to Sentai footage for the fight, then like we're just using Sentai footage for the next like three minutes. Like that was the attitude, especially of early Power Rangers. You can't blame them in some ways in the early days because there was, you know, they didn't know what they were doing and they're just figuring it out. But still, like that's been the tendency a lot. Here, they would very deliberately do stuff like you're seeing Sentai footage. Here now quickly is a shot of a crowd panicking that was filmed in New Zealand for the Power Rangers. Um, and now we cut back to Sentai footage and we've used locations that look similar enough that it's really hard to tell that they're not the same location with the shots that we use. Like they really put some detail into some stuff like that and it made it feel really good and consistent from a filmmaking perspective in a way that... I can't say any season of the Power Rangers has felt. It helps that they know martial arts and that this is a martial arts season. Mm -hmm. Because because of the fact that it is a martial arts season. Let's go back to like Mighty Morphin times, right? Like remember what the 90s martial arts sequences were like? Like it was basically like slow-mo punches, kicks, and maybe like a couple of somewhat interesting fight sequences but not much like it was mostly just like a means to an end here mm -hmm. they're perfectly fine with doing like three to four minute fight sequences of them unmorphed and just going at it yeah like they'll straight up just be like square up homie i don't need to morph 
I got two guns right here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. It's just, it works well. It's justified. Another thing that they did well this season is they cast um, actors that were closer in height to the Sentai actors and more consistently, like, the correct feeling height between the different actors. This you said that like to me, small... and I was like, Theo is a little, a little much. Because Theo is a short king. But it's good, <laughs> Theo's like five it's, foot five, and the suit actor is like five foot seven. It's a small detail, but it's good, though. Because, like, we've had a lot of seasons of Power Rangers where there's, like, a ranger that's, like, 6'1", and shredded, and clearly weighs, like, 180 pounds. Hi, minimum. Tommy. Yeah. And then he gets in the suit... And he's 5'7", and, like, <laughs> weighs, like, 120 pounds. And it's just, like, no, dude. This, I really appreciated that, like, the tallest one, RJ, is clearly the tallest ranger in the Sentai footage. You know, like, they really made some choices like that this time. That It's a subtle thing, but it, it made, again, it made the... the difference between the two footages even harder to tell apart and made everything feel really consistent way more like i said than any season of power rangers before you know what's the most fucked up part about this and i just had this thought like cross my head so i'm sorry for getting a little bit off topic there's no there's no crossover episode yeah which fucking sucks because this season like I know we're kind of gushing about it right now and we haven't gotten to the season review, but like it would be incredible to see like what became of the characters next year, like how we did Ninja Storm. I think the problem with episodes like Ghost of a Chance and why they don't make it into the best of is that I feel that the human elements to it, the regular like in-person elements to it weren't were just too cheesy for me. Uh, like in this one in particular, Casey's like really brought those episodes down. Like for sure, we would have pogged seeing the old masters and stuff. But like once you got to Casey, and then like even Theo's, I felt was just like yeah. these fears aren't good enough. Especially Casey, like holy shit! Like they like I thought Theo's was good, especially because it's it was like okay. you know, you're a you're a you're a, a martial arts master. And you're good at all these certain kinds of things, and you feel like that kind of makes you like perfect in some ways. But here's a situation where you you don't know what to do. You're too, you're super uncomfortable. You have no skills here, you know. And I think that was like perfect for Theo, who is this confident, like I learn stuff and know how to do things kind of guy, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Next episode we have is bad to the bone. Oh, wait, well, Amazing. let's let's fit. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on before we pog. So, uh, oh yeah, so the Rangers get their master Ranger form, jungle master mode. You're right, and this makes the suits a lot better. One of our like major complaints in the beginning was that it was a unibody suit, something that we didn't really address in the intro. But I think like because the action was so good at a certain point in this season, I didn't care as much anymore. But I know when they did get the jungle master mode, that was really cool. Like yeah, it made the suits a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I will say is that their jungle master mode. So they get these like interesting claw-like weapons. Uh, each of them have something different that they can do. <clears throat> um, but they get air jets, mm -hmm. like thrusters built into their suit. 
and they go like air thruster or whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember what it's called. Air jets or something like that. Uh, yeah. It's goofy. Like the first time they show it off is goofy. It they, they they didn't really know what they wanted to do with the thrusters yet and like how to incorporate that. At first I was like, meh. But then I was like, you know what? This works. Because they're not Paishwa cool. masters yet. Right. It's like one of those things, right? It's like Goku Super Saiyan 1 when he first becomes Super Saiyan versus like Super Saiyan 1 like later on in the show where he like fully masters it and he's like, I could just go to Super Saiyan 1 like that and be Super Saiyan 1 all day. Mm-hmm. No, no energy drain. Perfect. I could do moves. I could handle a lot of enemies. After that, I just go Super Saiyan Blue, you know, whatever. In this one, in this type of case, it's kind of like they've achieved Super Saiyan. And it's still, like, a huge drain on them. They can't really, like, ah, oh, I don't know how to use these air thrusters in my combat without looking a little bit goofy when I do it. You yeah. know, so I think in a bottle, like, if you put these two episodes in a bottle, it's not good. But in the grand, or at least not that good. But in the grand scheme of things, it comes out the other end of being, like, <coughs> this is another stepping stone that the Rangers had to use to unlock a new level. Yeah. So next up, we get to one of the one of the ten out of ten episodes. I know we've already said episode twelve is high up there. Well, guess what? This was this very season, close to being a pick for best. This very. season is filled with a bunch, and I'm telling you, like we have regrets on our picks already. But we already we already sent the episodes to the guests, and that, that's a whole other thing. But like this season, it was really hard to pick favorites. Yeah. So Lily is very nice a lot. Like, she's pretty kind and forgiving. She's one of the ones to be nicest to Fran, who, by the way, also during Ghost of a Chance, this is another thing that makes that two-parter kind of good, actually, in the grand scheme of things, is that Fran learns that they're Power Rangers, and this helps them all develop a healthy relationship with each other. Because Fran now understands that sometimes they have to run off and be Power Rangers. Instead of before, like, they would just abandon her sometimes. And she'd be like, you guys, I've been here for three hours alone. What the fuck? And they would just be like, oh, I don't know. And, like, just be, like, you know, totally dismissive about it, basically. And uh, when Fran learns that they're Power Rangers and confronts them about it, they come clean. She starts, like I said, she becomes more understanding. Okay, sometimes they have to run off beef Power Rangers. I'll make reasonable accommodations for that. But also, y'all need to, like, work when you're here. And, like, you know, uh-huh. like, they all come to a better understanding about that stuff. Um, and, like, the Rangers start, like, being good employees of the pizza shop around this time. It's like, everything kind of changes in this funny way. But, yeah, so Badge of the Bone. Lily, in particular, kind of helps spearhead some of this change with the Rangers being better uh, helpers at the pizza shop, better to Fran, etc. And everyone kind of teases her a little bit for being so nice. You know where this is going, maybe. (laughs) Uh, So Lily fights this monster called Porcupongo. What a fun name. I know, right? Um, They had a fun time with the names this season. I know, like, Mystic Force... Was kind of like, bro, what the fuck? They dropped the ball on these names, dude. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, they corrected that, and they were like, you know what? If it's not sounding cool as shit, it's funny as hell. Yep. Yeah, Which is the, the correct decision. 
So Porky Pongo shoots <laughs> these spines out. And they're filled uh, with dark energy. Yeah, they have dark energy in them. And so uh, Lily gets a bunch of them in her because she's like leading the way against Porky Pongo and wants to prove how badass she is. And she is pretty badass. But she is. She gets full of spines. And so uh, RJ is pulling the spines out and he thinks he's got all of them. And Lily's like, yeah, you got them all. Just leave me alone. Starts already acting a little weird from the start. And then she's like, you know what? Y'all can run the pizza shop for a while. Fuck you. And just takes off. (laughs) Yeah. Which at this point is like really out of character. But uh, the best is yet to come still. (laughs) So Lily comes back. (laughs) Some other stuff happens too, but I don't care. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. Um, Lily comes back. um, And she's wearing a leather jacket. She rides in on a motorcycle. And she, like, puts her boots up on the table. First, she pours hot pepper flakes all over these people's pizza. And they're like, what the fuck? And she's like, eat it. It'll put hair on your chest. Not gonna lie, I fucking swooned. When she was, when she was putting the hot pepper over that, I was like, a woman after my own heart. Then she starts <laughs> just ordering piles of hot wings. Like, just and- tons. Tons of hot wigs. And, and I'm just like, Fran, oh dear God. Oh, finally, God. Fran shuts it down. Lily, please date and me. And it's like, like, <laughs> like, Lily, you're being a jerk. I'm not going to make you any more hot wings, okay? You've been sitting here for an hour eating hot wings, swearing, you know, putting bad music on the jukebox, uh, farting, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I'm not making you any more hot wings. You're supposed to be working right now, not, like, fucking with me. I just realized this reminds me of the pizza episode from Turbo. With Diva Talks working at the pizza shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Lily and Fran just end up going at it. They start wrestling all over the pizza shop. It is egregious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Fran knows that they're the Power Rangers at this point. Yes. And um Lily her morpher comes off of her, her sunglasses, right? Shoot off. And uh basically Fran's like, "Hey, you know, like you should go help your friends." And, oh yeah, and Lily's like, "Nah. I, they're fine. Serve me some more hot wings." <laughs> Yeah, and friends, that's all right. I'll go be a fucking Power Ranger then, if you're too much of an asshole, and grabs the morpher. (laughs) That that's what starts the wrestling match because you know evil can't give up power. So, (laughs) Fran, like, they were while wrestling, they were able to get the the porcupine spike out of Fran or out of Lily, and in doing so, Lily was like Fran why are you on top of me (laughs) (laughs) it's quite the scene Um, and then the funniest part though so 
Fran's kind of like, Lily, you still have one of those porcupine spines in you. It was making you, like, act, like, totally rude and awful. And Lily's like, oh, fuck, I gotta fix all this now. And, you know, runs off and starts fixing everything. But then, at the end of the episode, Fran and Lily are just, like, hanging out in the front of the pizza shop. And Fran is like... Ooh, you still got the jacket and like puts on the leather jacket and Lily's like, oh no, I should probably get rid of it or something. It's silly. And uh the boys come out of the kitchen and they're like, hey, I think we're mostly done closing up for the night. And Fran's like, Did you slice the pepperoni? Did you grate the cheese? Did you clean the bathrooms? Did you scrape the gum off the tables? Are you really fucking done yet? Or are you just saying that? And they're like, oh, oh, we're sorry, Fran. And they run back into the kitchen and like get back to work. And Fran's like, we gotta keep this outfit. <laughs> yeah. So was the queer was the queer coded villain of the week the porcupine spike? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, it's just, I mean, no, the queer-coded villain was Lily. When yeah. Lily was in villain mode, she was queer-coded a little tiny bit. Just yeah. think about, I mean, which is typical Disney. <laughs> yeah, there's that whole discourse, right? I, I remember you were posting about it. You were like, the queer-coded villain archetype is very problematic. But... <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> just uh you know it's typical power age of shit uh but really like those moments were really great and the fact that fran got to enact a bit of revenge was great too this is um, like one of fran's strongest episodes and you start to feel like at this point you know not only were they treating Fran wrong at the start, but Fran is actually an okay character. Like, really. Like, actually, like, a pretty good character. Yeah, for sure. Missed opportunity not letting Fran be a, a ranger. Yeah, they really should have let Fran be a ranger. Like, once she realized that everyone was rangers, and they had great opportunities for this, because Fran and RJ even kind of have, like, a little bit of special bonding, not, like, romantic, but just friendship bonding that happens after she learns they're rangers it seems like there's a real obvious opportunity as fran and rj bond for fran to be like hey rj why don't you teach me a little martial arts and if nothing yeah. else we have a one episode where fran you know takes lily's morpher because lily is like presumed dead or some shit as happens actually happens in this season sometimes and uh, <laughs> um, uh uh you know fran just like goes for it and is a ranger for an episode that could have been really cool and like i think an ending where fran is also like training in pai shua that would have pushed this season up like a, another half point probably from whatever i'm gonna rate it really like that would have been cool yeah uh it, it's definitely something that I, I don't think, I think there was like, there had to have been like time constraints on some of these plot lines, I feel. Because while all this is happening, Daishi is still like fucking, he has his own subplots as well. In these yeah, episodes. they give a lot of time to Daishi through all this. So some of the other stuff that I skipped over while I was talking about this shit is, uh, that happens in Bad to the Bone, is they're dealing with, um, RJ keeps turning into a werewolf because his spirit, his connection to his spirit animal was damaged. Um, Daishi wants Grizaka to come because, like, he's got two of his old... Basically, these three people were his old generals. 
to some extent, but Grizaka in particular was unruly. I didn't didn't always like working for Daishi and betrayed him or some something like that. Um, yes, and so like his other two generals, Carnosaur and Jellica, are kind of like, you really want to summon Grizaka? That dude is a lot. <laughs> you remember. And Daishi's like, it'll be fine. It, spoiler, it's not fine. Grizaka shows up at the end of the episode, finally. Um, first of all, he's just been, like, doing unspeakable things to Camille, probably. Like, she does not seem like hanging out with Grizaka for a day was fun. Um, and um, then, like, he comes in. Camille is already, like I said, looking shell-shocked. And is like, is like, Daishi, this is bad. <laughs> like... And Grizaka is like, Daishi, listen up. You suck. And Daishi's like, what are you talking about? I kick ass. Carnosaur and Angelica have been training me and I'm strong as fuck. And Grizaka's like, no, no, no. You're not strong. I have this power called Zakato power. And all I have to do is use it for like a fraction of a second against you. And you're instantly destroyed. That's how weak you are. And then he does it. And Daishi's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, Zaka kind of takes over for a little while. Daishi or Jared's character arc this season is very much like a... It's like... I I don't think I've seen a villain arc quite like this, even in anime. But it's very much like uh, Shin Megami for the fucking ultra nerds out there. There's this Japanese role-playing game series called Shin Megami Tensei. You might have heard of it. But typically, they have like a chaos route in that game and the chaos route is always like you basically siding with the devil or something like that etc and becoming the king of all the demons or or the queen of all the demons right so in this case daishi jared is kind of like the walter character from shimigami tensei 4 where he has to like constantly like prove himself that as he's getting stronger he is like not only being overcome with evil, but he has to constantly like power check everyone. Because if they don't, if they fail the power check, he remains the king. And as long as he can prove that he's powerful, that's all it takes to have influence over these people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is when Grizaka basically Actually, you know comes what in. Let me think of this. This reminds me of a really. Here's another one for a different set of nerds, of a, a very classic anime. A little bit. Fist of the North Star. Yeah. It has a little bit of that vibe where there was often, especially in the later seasons, there was often these sort of fights between the villains about who's really the most powerful villain out here right now. Yeah. Because I've got this like South Star Fist of the Flying Serpent. And this guy's like, no, I've got the South Star Fist of the like Bloody Eagle or some shit. And then they go at it, you know, like that is kind of the vibe here. Yeah, for sure. And it works and it's hella entertaining. (laughs) It's like, like I've said, not only is the fight sequences fucking phenomenal, but the the Daishi plotline never, never really flounders. No, it's really good overall. Yeah. Um, and Camille as well, like her own plot that we keep hinting at where she's feeling more and more conflicted over time, especially as some of this training gets more dangerous and intense. She starts to really be like 
um, Daishi, maybe you shouldn't be doing all this. This is kind of crazy. And, and Daishi's like, I'm going to do all this. I don't care what the fuck you say. We're doing this. Like, uh, and then, like, takes off and does the, you know, the dangerous shit so that he can become stronger. But Camille's, like, concern about his well-being starts to obviously be at odds with his quest for world domination, even. Like, it's not just that he's, like, being dismissive. Um, obviously, he's being dismissive and toxic. But also, like, she is starting to clearly make decisions that would benefit his health rather than his empire. Yeah. She cares about him in a different kind of way. And also, again, to, this whole thing of, like, her starting to be confused, which, again, isn't spoken yet. That comes later. But her starting to be confused about who she's attracted to is sort of being hinted at because we get these hints that this part of Jared remains and sometimes his masters chide him for it where he's being a little bit too kind or forgiving about something and they're like why are you doing that it must be because of the human Jared and she's like no 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 I'm in charge Jared has no control here but it's obvious that that's not true yeah I think that for the most part, uh, Daishi has come through time and time again to be a crafty person. Because even when he's down and out, he's still like, the cogs are working in his head on what to do to get more power. Yeah, definitely. So next up, we have Friends Don't Fade Away. Uh, Another so really solid episode, really. Like, this is, this, this is like, I don't know, eight at least, maybe nine. Yeah, this is the episode where RJ becomes the Wolf Ranger. <coughs> Honestly, they, they kind of they kind of hinted at this a little bit too much. I would feel it came. I felt like it came like it should have came through at like episode twelve or somewhere. You know, a little bit earlier because they kind of were like fucking around with this concept of RJ eventually becoming a ranger a little bit too much on the nose there, um, but. Let's talk about RJ becoming the Wolf Ranger. So he can't control his animal spirit. He goes insane. He ends up being this werewolf who ends up like hurting people. And he's like feeling ashamed of himself. And he can't quite explain it to the other Rangers because he doesn't want to burden them or he doesn't know the well, answer to how to cure it. He doesn't fully know how to fix his problem, first of all. Second of all, he feels like. And he does say this to, I believe, Fran. He feels like they have such a huge burden of needing to fight Daishi that they shouldn't be taking on the burden of trying to fix his problem, basically. Which kind of makes sense, because he is their master at this point still, technically, overall. Yeah. Still, though... It's kind of like those things like when your boss thinks they know it all. Yes. But they really don't when an employee could have like given you an idea or a concept that could have helped you out more. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of the point of this episode is that RJ just needs to ask for help and be more a part of the team, which is a lesson that it makes sense for him to learn before he becomes a ranger. But he is a Paishwa master. Yeah. So this feels like a lesson that should... You should already know. Then again, he's a young buck too, still. 
the thing that they don't always explain well is like it seems like this Paishwa master thing really means that you've mastered your animal spirit. And yes, part of that, that's not just like a combat thing, right? That's not, it's not about that. But just because you've mastered your animal spirit doesn't mean that you like know everything forever. It just means that you're like at a very high level of mastery within this school. And there's not necessarily like a defined level of mastery above that because this is the goal of the school the goal of the school is to teach you to find and then master your animal spirit yeah i can agree to that i just think that there's like a sort of basic morality or life lessons that are also given to help you be in tune with your animal spirit and also i feel like everything that i just said that makes sense of it isn't stuff that you know all of by this episode. So that's a problem too. Like by the end of the season, this episode makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I know that we are, we're deliberating on like the basis of like RJ's character up to this point. I think RJ becomes less of like an exploitative boss for sure by, mm -hmm. by, by here. But I think it's another one of those, like, he kind of has to get away from the capitalist system that drove him to make these decisions, right? That rugged yeah. individualism sort of speaks. So I think it's like those two ideologies clashing against each other of, like, Paishwa thought and uh, capitalism. Yeah, and you can kind of understand how RJ could have thought to himself, you know, I'll start a business so that I can live, like, a slightly more ethical life, but then fallen off of that track at various times, right? Because, like, there is a possibility to, like, start a more ethical business and then, like, employ you and your friends in a way that's not as messed up as the regular capitalist system. You start to get the impression that, like, RJ probably wanted that and then forgot. And then now he's can't kind of remembering, like, you know, I used to have a really idealistic idea about this business and how to run it and how to like treat people right and you know maybe i'll even turn it into a workers co-op like i always thought about you know <laughs> like he starts to have that vibe as it goes a little bit <laughs> yeah i don't, I still don't see how a, a pizza shop called jungle karma pizza can be successful but i digress that's a whole nother the, the dress code is terrible let's not get into that though um <laughs> i'll tell you what dress code isn't terrible RJ as the Wolf Ranger. Yes. So RJ becomes in tune with his spirit animal, the wolf. And yo, let me tell you, this shit fucking sick. Also, Grizaka, this episode, he goes hard right away. And uh, I think one of the only failings for some of these arcs is it would have been cool to have them switch up the minions a little bit. In Operation Overdrive, we had, like, different sets of minions for the different villains, and it helped to define what was going Gotta on Gotta stop referencing bit. that season. I, it, I watched it, dude. Um, and so, um, <laughs> Doesn't exist. I can't unwatch it, okay? And like, Pretend it never happened. Anyway, I think having the different villains was, like, one of the only touches of Operation Overdrive that was, like, helped keep the narrative together at times. Um, I think that would have been a little bit useful here as a tool. Having the same Rinshi kind of hopping vampire minions all the time was a little confusing at certain points. 
they justified it a little bit, but it was still like it would have been cool if Grizaka busted out his own generic minion. I think, and some stuff like that in some of these arcs, because there's this very often this, like, the villains kind of coming together and then falling apart and fighting each other some, and it just would have been nice to have a little bit more visual clarity through that, but that's a big digression. Um, But Grizaka overall takes charge of the situation, and he's kind of cool, and he starts summoning some powerful new monsters right away that are, like, unlike the monsters that we've seen before in that, like, they don't follow the same rules exactly. Um, so Monkiwi is this first, like, really strong lieutenant of Grizaka's. And uh, he's given the Rangers a lot of trouble. He's super strong. And I will say, we've been talking about the quality of the martial arts. Monkiwi does really good martial arts in a lot of these scenes, and it really helps to sell the idea that this dude could kick your ass. <laughs> you know who else does really cool martial arts? RJ is the Wolf Ranger. Mm-hmm. His fighting style is incredible. Yeah. I was so surprised that Battle for the Grid like captured it perfectly when we were playing that game. But yeah, man, like the way he does his kicks and all that shit, it's fucking fantastic. I love it. And they add in this one, they add the flares of CGI to the moves. And the flares of CGI they add to Wolf Ranger when he does his kicks and punches is so good. Yeah, it's overall really, really well done. Yeah, RJ is awesome, really, in this episode. Like, yeah, Wolf Ranger, great outfit, very cool. Um, So right after that, we jump into No Iron Leader, which is like, we've seen the Power Rangers do this episode many times. But this is a good one. This is as good as Lost Galaxy with the the two brothers. Where they had this really exceptional, like, who's in charge here? How do I deal with these feelings of inadequacy? You know, that kind of stuff going on. Like, um, Casey starts to feel like, well, now that RJ's a ranger, I guess I'm just, whatever. Like, I and, and especially this resonates well because Casey isn't just being cast aside as the leader, he also is the the least trained in Pai Shua. And so he has a whole confidence issue about if he's even good enough to be on the team that's still kind of ongoing at times, although he's learned to like deal with it for the most part. It still bugs him a little. And... So he's, he's feeling really inadequate with RJ here because it's like, well, now y'all have potentially a leader who is a Paishwa master. I'm not that good at Paishwa. I'm practically worthless to this team now. And so he's really struggling with that. And he gets, like, angry. Like, there's this one part in particular where he just, like, throws a basketball at the hoop so hard that you think he might break the glass. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild um and so he's he's angry as hell and not handling any of this shit well and rj is like listen i might have gotten a little too overexcited about joining y'all as a ranger and gotten ahead of myself a bit you're still the leader though and they actually do this incredible scene that like you're kind of wondering where it's going at first but it ends up being this amazing kind of visual metaphor thing 
where RJ picks up a basketball and he's like, I have to make this shot or Daishi wins. And Casey's like, well, aren't you relying on some luck? You're really far from the hoop. And, and he's like, no luck. I have to do it. Casey's standing kind of close to the hoop. So he throws the ball and it's clear that it's probably not going to make it. Not by a lot, but by a little. And Casey jumps up, grabs the ball, and dunks it in. And RJ's like, that's leadership. It's not all about, like, knowing, you know, tons of, you know, facts or things like that. It's about having the right intuition to help guide things where they need to go. And it's actually, like, a really good, like, really solid scene. I think it, I think it was really well done. This is when, like... I was getting into the headspace that Jungle Fury is treating me like an adult, you know, versus treating me like I'm a little kid. Like a lot of these shows, the dialogue can get deep at times. For the most part, like it, it reads at like a fourth grade reading level, maybe. Maybe yeah. sometimes it'll jump to like fifth or sixth, but for the most part, it's like third or fourth. Um, this one was like, it was like, this is like fucking high school, college levels at times. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, and also, you appreciate that RJ really does a good job of encouraging Casey in the fight afterwards. You know, like, they really, like, help sell it with RJ just being like, you know, Casey, you got this. I'm following your lead, buddy. And just, like, really, like, helping nail it. Like, not without... It's not, like, overbearing, but it's just, like, he just really helps nail it home that, like... I, I really, like... I, when we're on the field of battle, I'm following you. There might be other times where you're learning from me or things like that, but when we're out here, you're calling the shots, and I'm following. Just like the rest of the team. Yeah. Next up, we have True Friends, True Spirits. Uh, this mm-hmm. basically... This episode, I'm not going to go over it too much because there's not too much to say. It's kind of like a villain of the week episode. But basically, RJ is in trouble. RJ ends up saving Flit. And Flit ends up becoming like RJ's friend. Not really friends with the other Rangers, but simply RJ. And Flit reveals to RJ his origin story, which is basically that like thousands of years ago... Uh, he was a martial artist that faced against Camille, and Camille cursed him and turned him into a fly. And he and Camille keeps him in his stomach, basic, or keeps him in her stomach. Yeah. Now Grizaka, um, Grizaka ends up basically releasing an evil spirit that makes RJ lose control of his spirit again, and like this becomes an entire whole thing again. My thing about this plot point in particular is that we've already dealt with him being out of tune with his spirit. Why do it again? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing that's relevant here is that this is like we're really getting into the Rhino Nexus arc. Apparently there's this place called the Nexus and it's like a big tree of animal spirits. And like basically the Rhino is like more or less the strongest and is like at the top of the tree. So, like, it doesn't mean that, like, you can't be strong if you have some other spirit, but innately, the rhino is just, like, really strong. And Daishi knows this, too, and wants to access rhino nexus power. And uh, the rangers aren't, like, 
but slowly become aware that Daishi wants to do this. And they start thinking about their own relationship to the Nexus a little bit. It's a whole thing. So that's like the other thing that's going on that's relevant in this episode because that, that plot is building up. And then that yeah. helps build up to the next episode, Path of the Rhino, which brings in yet another ranger. It's wild because we get almost halfway through the season. We've still got only three rangers. But then they start to pile up. Um, <laughs> so, so we get RJ, the wolf ranger. In this episode, we get Dom, the white rhino ranger. So Dom is an old friend of RJ's. He's a little bit of a goofball. Been a little too restless sometimes in life and unfocused. But when he gets to the pizza shop and he meets everyone and he realizes that they're rangers because he accidentally finds out by intervening in a fight because he's just that kind of guy and he tries to stop one of the monsters. Uh, you know, he's kind of like, hey, Master Mao always told me I'd find my path when I least expected it. Maybe this is that because I had no idea when I came here that any of this was going on or that I would feel this way, but now I kind of want to stay. Yeah. The rangers are kind of like, eh, we, we don't know how we feel about this guy a little bit. Like, eh, maybe he's cool, I don't know. And so they put him to work in the pizza shop, and the rangers are holding into a really high standard and making things kind of difficult for him, and he is fucking up a fair bit. And the combination of those things kind of puts it at this point where it's like, it starts to feel like maybe this isn't working for some of them. And Dom starts to be like, you know what? I guess I'm at, maybe, maybe this, maybe I was wrong about finding my path here. Maybe I need to get out of this town. And so he seems like he might leave again. And Fran gives a really impassioned speech to the Rangers about, you know, y'all are being way too hard on this guy and not really giving him a chance. And especially coming from Fran, this works because, like, these people were all fuck-ups when Fran met them. Like, they were messy people. They weren't good employees at the pizza shop, for sure. You know, Fran's kind of like, hey, we should give this guy another chance. And they end up, um, by chance, kind of, like, running across him while he's, like, sitting out by the sea, deciding what he's going to do. And... He saves Fran's life using his white rhino spirit. And when Casey sees Dom use his animal spirit so confidently, he's like, oh, shit, I really made a mistake. <laughs> like, we need people like this right now. There's hardly anyone that can do this that's willing to fight for good. What was I thinking? You know? Yeah. And they manage to make up. And then uh, Dominic gets his own morpher and becomes the white rhino ranger. And his outfit is very cool if you never look at the legs. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I don't... Eh, I'm kind of like, even without the legs, I still kind of think it's not my style. I think more or less, like, I'm not too fond of the horn on the helmet, I think. So I thought the spiky helmet, it was very common rider in some ways, and I just liked it. I don't know. I get and it. I, like I understand the, the appeal. Pads and, like, the black and orange and white was a great combo for the color scheme it's just it that from the waist down it's like they just gave up um his whole upper half is very detailed and his legs are just like virtually nothing it's like pajama legs and like space booties or something i don't even know <laughs> the suit actor must have a lot of fun mm. being in there oh yeah 
It's like, I'm comfy as fuck doing this. Let's go. <laughs> I've got the comfiest shoes of anyone out here right now. <laughs> um, I will say Dom's introduction, I thought overall was really good. This was like another possible contender for best. It was a little lower on the list, but it was still like in the running. And you really like, vibed with Dom. Yeah, and I like I like how he's like he's not perfect, but he is strong. He's like a little cheeky, a little quirky, but also like he realizes sometimes that that like goofy behavior can be too much, and like he reins it in a little. And I think like that's kind of actually just like a good personal archetype to be observing, you know, especially for a kid watching this show. It's like, here's this guy who knows how to be a big time jokester, but then when to just stop and not do that at all. And uh, on the subject of knowing when to be funny, though, um, he uh, one of the first things Casey wants Dom to do is like scrape gum off the tables. And then Dom gets distracted, kind of like flirting with Fran and talking about books um, because he's also a big time book reader and he reads books all the time. Casey comes back out and he's like, dude, you didn't do what I asked you to do. It's just scrape the gum off the tables. What the fuck? Like, it's been like an hour. (laughs) You've just been sitting here talking to Fran. And so at the end of the episode, Dom presents Casey with a gift. He's like, hey, took me a while to get this, but I know you wanted it. And hands it to Casey. Casey opens his box and it's the wad of gum from under the tables. Like, that's funny as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think my problem is is that like dom is kind of coded as like not being genuine in his replies like in his rebuttals and everything it's kind of like it's kind of seen or at least maybe in my eyes when i was watching the show i got the vibes that like they were portraying him as someone that you couldn't really fully trust and you couldn't really fully trust to present you Uh, information in the most honest way possible right so i think like that really like hurt his character in my opinion in the beginning um because even when fran uh was doing the rebuttal to the rangers i was still kind of like yo dog like he fucking took up like 10 dough balls and served it up to fran and fran was like batting them away like that's just hella wasteful yeah. I was really feeling Casey's like side of things, but also I know you brought it up, but I'm also well aware that like the Rangers themselves were also shit. And yeah. I think it was really telling that RJ didn't immediately just go, dog, you're you're done. And he kind of just let like Dom fuck up a bunch of times before like, hey man, I don't think this is working out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas and also, like Dom doesn't, he's not like when he realizes that's what's going on, he's not, like, a jerk. That's part of what helps you to start to warm up to his character. Because I agree, like, at first you're kind of like, is this guy, like, trustworthy? But then he's like, hey, you know what? It's all right. Shit doesn't work out. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep traveling. It's what I do anyway. It just heads out the door. And, like, I thought that was, like, that was kind of like a moment where I was like, okay, we're going to kind of learn how trustworthy he is in this scene, maybe. Because if he, like, makes a big fit about, like, you guys, blah, 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 like, that would have made him look like the bigger jerk, ultimately. But he doesn't, you know? And then the next episode really helps. To- I was going to say, it's really the, the episodes that come after, to me, that sell Dom. Yeah, the next episode in particular really, really helps a lot because... 
Um, in Dash for the Dagger, so Dom has been hiding this dagger that Master Mao gave him, and he didn't know what it was for. But this is the key to the Rhino Nexus, so that thing I mentioned before. Um, and he does mention that Master Mao would like talk about it a little bit, but not much, so he didn't really pay attention. I'm like, dude, like if I was a drifter and I had this dagger, Ooh. wouldn't that be my first instinct? Like that's just like a quest right there in and of itself. That's exciting. For all we know, he followed it around for a few years and then that didn't work out the first time, you know? He couldn't just you just couldn't find it. Yeah, because the time wasn't right. The yeah. whole thing with Dom is he it's like he wasn't ready for any of this stuff before. Yeah, I guess so. Like that's a big part of his character. Like he, he didn't finish Pai Shua school. He doesn't become a master even. Like at any point, you know, like, and that's not necessarily even his goal. So, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so they realize, okay, so this is the control dagger and Dom is like hiding it in this like greasy restaurant. He goes there with Theo and like pulls it out of the like cushions of this old restaurant booth and is like, it's disgusting in here. No one would ever reach their hand in there basically, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Theo is, like, annoyed with a lot of Dom's behavior. And this episode works well for both of their characters because Theo's too uptight, and we're not 100% sure if Dom's trustworthy. So that gives us a, a good dynamic for this episode to build off of. Because Theo is like, listen, I'm going to hold the dagger, okay? You are a knucklehead. I don't trust you to keep the dagger, period. <laughs> And Dom's just like, you know what? Fine. I get that you y'all don't trust me yet. Fine. Hold the dagger. I don't give a shit. Okay? It's, it's whatever. And it's like that situation where you're just like, you just give that person like the 10 bucks or whatever, you know? Because it's clear that they feel like you're not going to pay them back if they have to wait. And you're like, I'm going to give you the 10 bucks tomorrow, but you know what? Fuck it. I'll give it to you right now, even though it's less convenient, because I don't want this to be weird anymore. Like that, Dom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're basically, like, they get into this cab with this lady. They're like, hey, can we share this cab with you? We're in a hurry. She's got all her laundry in there. Theo loses the dagger in the laundry, realizes that he's the one who ended up fucking up. Oh, no, Theo, who never fucks up, I'm the one who fucked up. Maybe Dom was more trustworthy than I thought. I, oops. <laughs> Um, they have to go back to the laundromat. While they're digging around in laundry, the other rangers are getting hosed by some enemies and could really use the help, so it's one of those things, too. Um, but then finally, like, they find the dagger. Theo's like, here, Dom, you take the dagger, okay? I, I, I messed up, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna go help the other rangers. You take the dagger back to base, and they split up. But, of course, Dom gets ambushed. Dun dun dun. <gasps> dun, 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 dun 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 And Camille gets the dagger and gives it to Dai Shi. Leading oh, us shit. to the race to the Nexus. This was it. like this was a fucking great episode. So this is like sort of like a bottle episode in some ways. They basically everybody gets to the Nexus and then just fights for a half hour. 
Yeah, you have Carnosaur facing off against the Rangers. You've got Jellica facing off against Daishia Camille. You've got it's it's fucking crazy, dog. Nonstop yeah. action. Nonstop action, and it works really well. It felt like the stakes were set right here. It really did. They've been building up this, like, you know, hey, this power that we're going to gain by gaining access to control of the Rhino Nexus is significant. Um, and, like, whoever gets it is going to be at a serious advantage. And that means that we all need to fight a lot right now. <laughs> so that's how it goes down. It's, it's very pog, but there's not a lot to say about a lot of it because it's literally, like, Jellica punches Dominic. Daishi drop kicks Carnosaur. Like fucking just whatever crazy combination of words you can imagine. It happens in this episode. Yeah. Ultimately, Daishi is the one that makes it to the top first with the control dagger, but yep. Daishi is unable to unlock it because he doesn't have a good heart. Yep. It's a sad and story. So, uh, Dominic. Gains the powers instead, which mostly turns into a Zord. Um, so let's talk about that Zord. That Zord sucks. Um, <laughs> also, I do want to Zord... emphasize that the Rangers kill Carnosaur. Yeah, they every time. So like, replace destroy in this season with kill or killed. Dog, like it becomes like an eleven or twelve out of ten. <laughs> like it literally just needs that little bit of edge. And holy fuck, this would be like an entirely different season that we would be like, like this is the Rangers, this is the Power Rangers to watch. They frankly talk about destroying people. They, they talk, talk about, about the consequences of that. Like, they, yeah, they, they're they like, I'm gonna get destroyed. Like, yeah. Yeah, they don't just talk about like, oh yeah, I destroyed a bunch of villains. What's up? I'm a tough. It's not like that. It's it's more like, damn, he's destroyed forever, guys. Like, heavy just stuff. murked, gone. Yeah, straight up. Uh, and like, the show doesn't really shy away from like showing that sort of carnage, just in like a very PG way, where it's like all black, and they'll like fucking do like a a beam or some shit and it'll pierce through them and like you really you don't see the ramifications of all of that but like you're like damn son they're yeah, fucking then they just explode and they're gone yeah that's it for their character uh in this case race the nexus was the destruction of carnosaur yeah and it kind of seemed like so daishi still ended up getting a power up from this and my understanding is is like it's a shared power source so the less like evil beings there are in the world the more power you could potentially have and daishi demonstrates this quite a bit actually later on well, in the season but in particular also, here there's also this aspect this season where you can steal someone's power like you yeah. can take someone's power and it becomes your own explicitly um, though this time it felt like daishi was like yes carnosaur is dead so i have access to more power because that's how RJ gets fucked up. We didn't even really touch on this because and it, it's too, it was actually a pretty cool moment. But like Daishi captures RJ and forces him to fight him in this arena. And it is, it's like this whole thing. He's like, I want to fight you to prove how strong I am. <laughs> Just like 
maniacal shit. And that's how RJ's wolf spirit connection to the wolf spirit gets fucked up is because Daishi pulls some power out of RJ and steals it from him. That is very much something that you can do in this season. Yeah. In this case, uh, he kind of gets this... Uh, what's that fucking power called again? I want to say... Zakaro! Zakaro! He starts getting a little bit of Zakaro himself. But like, damn, that's so close to the fucking JoJo shit. <laughs> it even has like a purple aura and all this other stuff. It's cool as hell. Zakaro felt a little JoJo-y. Very so, yeah, JoJo-y. This mighty Zakaro power that Grizaka's been flaunting over Daishi. And he's like, you know, listen, while you were fucking doing nothing in a box in a martial arts temple, I learned Zakaro. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Daishi is starting to learn some of that fabulous power now, and it seems like he might take control again. But this is also when we kind of start to see it's somewhere around, I don't think it was necessarily in 21, but this is like, it's around this time that we start to see more signs that Jared still exists. Like, it's sprinkled. It's sprinkled throughout. It's sprinkled throughout a bunch of these episodes. And so, like, after Carnosaur destroys Jared's good memories, it seems for a little while like Jared might really be gone. Although, again, you keep seeing these hints in his behavior that indicate otherwise. But now we're starting to see bigger hints that a part of Jared still exists. Yeah, and... because at, like, at this point in the show, by episode 21, like he kind of sort of treats Camille as his equal. Once he's been humbled by Grisaka... He's like, maybe I'm not hot shit, kind of, right? Like, him yeah, and Camille are, like, more, more equal. Yeah, he starts to be more equal with Camille and how he views her. He's even a little nicer in some ways to Grizaka and Jellica in how he treats them in certain respects. Not in every way. But, like, he... He, he, started, res he started respecting women when he got the shit beat out of them. <laughs> 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 So, um, episode 22 is Arise the Crystal Eyes. So there are these crystal eyes. There's and eight they arise total. The enemies already have three. The crystal eyes contain these phantom beast generals that are really tough. And basically, like, if, if, uh, if Daishi and the phantom beasts were to unite then it really becomes a big question of how do we win because part of how they won 10,000 years ago was the fact that Daishi and the Phantom Beasts could not get along. This is a the, big threat, potentially. Another detail to add is that this took place 10,000 years ago. So I know we've said it before on the show, I'm pretty sure, but like, yo, shit 10,000 years ago is fucking popping. Golden Age of Piracy and Dark Magic. Yeah, like there had to have been like there had to have been like another Zordon esque sacrifice that happened ten thousand years ago. There must have been something because uh, the Sentinel Knight was battling evil ten thousand years ago. Um, Rita and Zordon or Rita and Zed were doing some shit. But there's other seasons that mention a like ten thousand years yeah, no, ago. Other villains have specifically referenced the ten thousand years ago time. Yeah, like I think even Mystic Force had a little bit of that too. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's definitely like one of those things where it's just like, huh, they really should do, like if you're going to do like a prequel series to Power Rangers, that has to be the time period. For sure. And honestly, animate it. Yeah. Think about it. Be sick. It would be hella sick if they animated it. <laughs> that might be Hasbro's next venture on it, honestly. Yo, Hasbro, hire us. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, Arise the Crystallized. So, there's eight crystallized. They contain these Phantom Beast generals. If Daishi and the Phantom Beasts unite, this is so bad. So, um, the bad guys already have three. And the good guys kind of know this. But they know where the other five are. They're with an archaeologist who found them. And so, Casey goes to this archaeologist to try to, like, have a conversation with her about... The fact that having these crystal eyes in her possession might be way more dangerous than she realizes, and that she may need someone qualified to watch them until the danger passes. Um, and she's not really having it. She's also kind of has like her own understandable reasons here. Like these are her life's work, basically. So she also has a spirit. Yeah, and so Casey's like. You you're uh you're you got the spirit of the dolphin, huh? <laughs> what a pickup line. <laughs> got that got that wet ass dolphin bussy. <laughs> the way this is filmed is like crazy. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? It and not in a bad way, in a really good way. Because to me it felt like an arrowverse style episode like a cw-esque uh episode um and you were comparing it to criminal minds it had the yeah a lot of the early part of the episode had the feel with the camera and the pacing and some of the stuff that was going on of like a episode of criminal minds or even like ncis or something like that it's very funny yeah to me it felt like the flash for sure so I was I was like enjoying it. I was like, wow, this would actually really pass for like a really good episode <clears throat> for one of those shows. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that Casey talked about it, if if Casey was portrayed by a worse actor, this would come off as like the goofiest fucking scene. Because he's having to explain that like mystical forces are coming after this this person, and she's like Yo, I'm sorry, dog. Like, I don't believe in that. (laughs) Like, that's not my religion. I don't. I I think at this point, everyone in this town probably believes to some extent, but still. Yeah, it's still seen as like a like a weird thing, right? It's like really taboo. And like Casey is like trying to like be like very like mysterious about it without sounding. Like a like a total like a total weirdo or goofball, and for some reason, he has this like weird genuine charm that comes Mm -hmm. off across in the episode that uh, I think really shone through and actually like punched him up a bit in the rankings. Yeah. So Casey's like, all right, I'm just gonna hang out around the building because I feel like the villains are gonna show up like today. And he just like he basically he just looks like anybody waiting for their drug dealer for too long. Like he's just like got his headphones in. He's sitting at an outdoor picnic table. He's like snacking on something. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, like, 
it's really funny too because it's like it's not like he's on patrol like really looking for stuff he figures the villains this season are so blatant and obvious that he'll just know when they're there (laughs) and to be fair in the daishi side of the story uh camille's like hey so i was looking for the locations well actually no so hey i was i was doing a crossword puzzle and I was looking for like an eight letter word. And then I flipped the newspaper around and here's this uh, article about this archaeologist. Wouldn't you know it? Archaeology. That's the word. I actually have no idea if that's like eight letters. But anyways, <laughs> that like that's how obvious the plot was. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's a means to an end. And it's hilarious in her delivery. <laughs> Uh, it's not perfect, but, you know, it's still a good episode overall. Maybe it's only, like, a 7-ish or an 8, but, like, I don't know. It's still pretty I good. think for sure it's an 8. Just the way it's filmed alone is very unique, in my opinion. It's kind of gets drugged down, though, by some of the weirdness as it goes. I, I didn't like all of it. It's I thought fitting. it was funny. I thought particularly <laughs> that, that Camille moment was funny. However, <laughs> this does end up actually being a little bit of good development for Casey. Yes. So RJ told Casey, listen, if those gems fall into the hands of the enemy, lots and lots of people will be hurt. Keep that in mind when you're making decisions here. Like, you can't prioritize the life of one over the security of the gems. And Casey's like, I got it, but you can kind of tell that he's like, "Mm, I don't know if I feel the same way about this as you, RJ. And sure enough, when presented with a choice, as Camille's got the gems and the Rinshi have the archaeologist, he chooses to save the archaeologist first. But then quickly takes off to chase after Camille. And he's able to catch up. And he beats up Daishi somewhat. Like, he actually kind of wins in a fight against Daishi. Like, it's not like like the the cleanest victory ever, but you're kind of like, eh! Sort of a dub. Sort of a W. <laughs> and that's even with Daishi having, at this point, Zakato powers and all kinds of shit that he could potentially use. So um, it's pretty impressive. Casey really has to dig deep within himself and use a lot of his powers, abilities, and just personal willpower to win and get the gems and get away. So he gets the five... Uh, crystal eyes back and takes off and uh at the end of the episode um first of all he goes into the archaeologist's office and she's like hey yeah you hold on to the eyes for now that makes sense i get it now also you got the spirit of the tiger don't you big boy (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah i do (laughs) (laughs) but then rj confronts casey and he's like, you know, it seems like you uh, cut it a little close, this mission, Casey. And Casey is like, you know what? I had a feeling I could win that gamble. And RJ's like, you know what? That's why you're a leader. It just pats him on the back. Yeah. And uh, they, they take off. The other interesting thing it was that happened. really like, em- like the emotional intelligence of that scene was pretty great. The other thing that happens that leads us into the next episode is Jellica and Daishi have been fighting. And at this point, like, it's on sight. If they see each other, one of them's gonna die. And Jellica's hiding from Daishi. 
as a result. And she gets a hold of the three remaining crystal eyes. So, in Fear and the Phantoms, Jellica summons the three phantom generals that she can. Because obviously she can't summon all eight. Which is something interesting in this season. I wondered, like, oh, is this how they're going to eventually, like, extend the season ending? Is, like, the final five crystallized? Whatever. No, actually, they only ever get the three generals. It is presumed that if they got all eight generals, the rangers lost, in my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they would have been able to take on eight of them at once. It just no, wouldn't have so happened. Strong. Yeah, ridiculously no. strong. So, um, Jellica summons the three phantom generals, and she's like, listen... Daishi is trying to run things, but he sucks. Let's run things. And they're like, okay, take us to Daishi. So she takes them to Daishi. And they're like, here you go, Daishi. Here's a present. And kill Jellica in front of him in his throne room. And are like, we pledge ourselves to you, dude. <laughs> Let's fucking go. This is also like, <clears throat> they tell Daishi... You're gonna become the king of the phantom beasts. Yeah, like you have because you a whole new power. Yeah, so like this is like they've already been like you kind of have been getting the feeling that Daishi needs a power up at this time because like he's he's been taking some L's. He took an L from Casey, took an L from Grizaka, and you know really no new like exceptional power outside of the Zawarudo. Sorry, Zakato. <laughs> uh, outside of the Zagato power, like he starts getting it a little bit, but it's still not as much as to beat Grizaka. And he hasn't really gotten a new form, kind of like the other Rangers yet. So they're starting to like drop bombs on you, like, yo, you're about to, you're going to become the king of everyone soon. Yeah. And also, um, <clears throat> this is important because the generals also recognize and acknowledge something that we've already been seeing and hearing about, which is that, you know, they also see that if the Phantom Beasts align with Daishi, they'll probably win. Just like how the Rangers know that if the Phantom Beasts align with Daishi, they'll probably win. Yeah. So this really slants things back in the favor of the enemies in a big way, because now Daishi is apparently going to get more powerful soon. And the Phantom Beasts are here, and they're strong. So there's Not the only all of that. Generals, but there's also the Phantom Beasts, uh, the Phantom Beast Warriors that the Generals have to help them. And these, like, Phantom Beast Warriors are stronger than most anything the Rangers have fought so far. Yeah, Much they constantly the are sweating. Yeah. Like, 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 if this was, like, a soccer game or something like that, it would be, like, three to two. Like, it's, like, winning by, like, that margin. Where you're just sweating for 90 minutes. You know, you can never just have, like, ah, one week I'm gonna have, like, a 5-0 match and I don't have to worry about shit as a fan. That's, like, nah. Literally, like, every week you're fucking struggling. Yep. Um, also, one of the Phantom Generals is named Weiger. <laughs> <laughs> and they Where's really this <laughs> there are some lines I don't even know <laughs> I don't know who made that decision <laughs> um, also one of the Phantom Beast Warriors name is Grinder 
Yeah. <laughs> and like Unidoom. Yeah, they have some good names. <laughs> <laughs> so Daishi's like, okay, Phantom Generals, you say that you're loyal to me and I should trust you. Here's your first test. Go get me the three living Paishwa Grandmasters or whatever. Which is, of course, Master Fant, Master Swoop, and Master Finn. Master Finn being RJ's dad, in case you forgot. So they take off and they go kidnap these three dudes. And all three of them try. And like, Lily in particular and Master Fant fight together to try to stop this phantom general from taking him. And he's just like, you're trying to fight a phantom general and kicks their asses so hard. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, they just didn't stand a chance. And they're, they're clearly giving it all they've got. This is like the Ginyu Force. Mm-hmm. The rangers realize the three masters must have been captured. A little detail that's very important, it turns out. Before uh, Master Finn gets captured, RJ's hanging out with his dad, Master Finn. And he's like, hey, remember when those stars aligned the other night? And got a special telescope and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this special starlight will save us or something someday. Hint, hint, hint. He's like, this uh, is for a time when all hope is lost. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to remember this for sure. I am definitely going to remember this when this comes up. <laughs> and it all relates also to like the summoning of the phantom generals like they were using that same starlight to break the curse you know yeah like so it was like that he captured some of that starlight so the phantom generals take the pai Shuan masters and basically effectively control them and then the pai Shuan masters summon these phantom rangers formed of their spirit that are ultra strong unbelievably strong and these three phantom rangers which look cool as hell show up and start beating the fuck out of the rangers and the only thing that saves them the first time is the fact that the the paishwa masters are trying to resist the spell that's literally the first time they face off against them they're saved by the bell big time yeah, it's incredible, actually. I love these suits, by the way. So good. The fact that they're like a bunch of old men, too, and they're still kicking ass is pretty sick. In Blue Ranger Twin Danger, so they're basically controlling them, but only like astral projecting, and they can only do it for a certain amount of time. But these old men, they still got the moves, yo. Yeah, and RJ is like, listen... We might be able to come up with some techniques to help with this stuff, but they're going to keep coming back. Oh, also, we forgot to mention last episode was just a Lily episode in general and had this whole dancing subplot. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it is a decent subplot. Um, but I just want to keep moving for the sake of time. Uh, I but do think Fear and Phantom, though, because... was the better, the better Lily episode, uh, yeah. plot-wise. Uh, Not as fun, but though, definitely pretty good. Yeah. I think what's important, though, is that... Uh, all of the rangers are kind of powering up a little bit right now. It's not so much an active thing this time where they're getting a new ability, but they're all like kind of proving themselves in different ways in some of these episodes. And so this one is Theo's. 
Theo has a twin brother. His twin brother is really cool. His twin brother is Lewin. And he plays the guitar. And he's like, he like travels a lot. And does like risky stuff. And he's just like a wild man. And so people are immediately enamored with Lewin. Who is just a charismatic bad boy. Theo has to kind of grapple with this whole thing. Because he's like really put off by Lewin. And it turns out that he feels really jealous of him. And there's this great scene where Theo and Lewin switch shirts. And Lily takes who she thinks is Theo for a walk to talk to him about his feelings. But it's Lewin. And uh, Lily's just kind of talking about, you know... Jealousy's really tough, I get it. And all this stuff, and just talking about what's going on. And Lewin just stops her and is like, hey, listen, I'm Lewin. We switched shirts. And Lily's like, oh, fuck, this is so embarrassing. And he's like, no, no, listen. I kind of wanted to hear this. Like, I never really understood it from this perspective. But I've always been jealous of Theo. And uh, they end up, like, making up. And it's really good for Theo's character, just in general. I feel like uh, this was also like one of those moments where uh, it's kind of revealed that Lily might have something for Theo because they never really show scenes of like rangers going out alone. Like they all just kind of hang out in the loft. And this is like kind of like your first like hint that there might be something between Lily and Theo. Yeah, your first major hint, especially there have been very small hints, but this is the first big one. You have to give special credit to the actor because yeah. he plays Theo and Lewin you also have to give credit to all the people who obviously did the effects too and the editors and things like that don't the camera forget, angles especially mm-hmm, don't want to forget the people who work behind the cameras and stuff like that too to make effects like this possible and the body double um, but that actor kills it kills it with this one yeah, this is reminds me of that. Uh, it throws me back all the way back to Mighty Morphin Power Ranger days, uh, where uh, you know Billy had that episode where he had to basically rescue everybody. Um, similar episode to that, even with like a really kind of goofy thing, you know, like typically <clears throat> something as goofy as having a twin brother would be played up for like jokes and laughs and stuff like that in early seasons of the Power Rangers. Here, it's kind of taken like really gracefully, actually. Yeah. Like, they the, don't really joke the, the on it too joke, much. The biggest joke is just at the beginning, Theo is, like, they're like, oh, you have a twin brother? What's your twin brother like? And he's like, we're nothing alike. We're night and day. And Dom just pats him on the back and goes, I like him already. <laughs> just teasing the fuck out of Theo. And it's clearly teasing. Like, it's not mean. But it's very funny. <laughs> it lands so well. It lands perfectly. <laughs> yeah. A great episode, to be fair. Um, at this point, they've kind of used up their methods on getting rid of the Spirit Rangers, which is basically to use this, like, their radio wave gun that's basically a, a portable hand dryer that they modified. It cancels out their Spirit Rangers' abilities, but they were only able to get, like, one use out of it. So they really don't know what to do at this point. And RJ's trying to figure out a way to free everyone, and especially to free his dad. His dad does contact him spiritually at the end of Blue Ranger Twin Danger to basically kind of like drop hints to him to be like how to solve it. 
And then we get to one last second chance, which is our which is our second pick for best episode. So we're not going to give it away too much, but we will say that uh, basically this episode, um, that telescope that Kennedy was referencing, uh, RJ ended up having to use that telescope on the eyes, on the crystal eyes, to be able to release the masters because the masters had mm -hmm. been captured into the crystal eyes. Well, specifically Master Finn. The other two they rescue by hand after right. they get Master Finn. Right, Master Finn. Yeah. Flit ends up. RJ Flit. thought that he had killed his father by doing this. I mean, we'll talk again. I don't want to get too into it, but it's like it's a lot. It's a it's a big episode. Yeah, it's a really huge episode that I think fully fleshes out RJ's character to the greatest extent possible. I think after this, RJ gets a, a bit more character development with his interactions with other rangers. But, he's but as a solo character, he is now fully explored. And yeah, I think that what came out of it's great. And that's great. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's good. Yeah. Tiger's Fall, Lion's Rise basically kicks off an endgame arc. Like, none of this is, like, really explicitly multi-part for the most part, except for what? Like, is the last thing even multi-part, or is it... Kind of, no, yeah. It's No, it's still just... Uh, they don't call it part one and part yeah, two. Yeah, it's, it's basically, you have basically six episodes that lead up to the end here um, that are all kind of building off each other. So Tiger's Fall, Lion's Rise kicks that off. So Weiger steals Casey's tiger energy. He does some Korag catch me outside shit, tricks Casey into fighting him, and then takes his tiger energy because he also has tiger energy. So he's like, yo, I'm way, I'm way more in tune with the tiger than you. It's over. I got your tiger energy. Casey is also dealing with this whole thing where he's been teaching martial arts classes. And there are these kids in his martial arts class that are bullying each other. He's like kind of trying to grapple with that. But he's also grappling with his own like issues as he's unable to summon the tiger spirit. And the other rangers are having to fight without him and stuff. And he's like unsure what to do to fix this but uh he gets this reminder that you know it's not your spirit animal that makes you stronger you make the spirit animal stronger I... <laughs> which like kind of a little confusing but kind of makes some sense anyway whatever and casey's like okay all right and tries to absorb that and is able to morph to help the rangers fight towards the end, but his power is still weak. So who comes to save the day? It's this little kid that's been getting bullied in his class that Casey told this kid, hey, don't feel too discouraged. You've got tiger energy, homie. You got, ti you got tiger blood. You're a winner. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, Casey being a teacher, I think, as a character development trait was great too because it went from like the student to being a teacher, but not necessarily being a master yet. Yeah. Also, uh, a lot of this final stuff just worked relatively well in terms of, uh, like, the, the Power Rangers sometimes likes to do this little nod where it's like, hey, little kid, you could be a Power Ranger one day too. And obviously, like, the worst example of that is Justin from Turbo. But most of the time, it's not as bad. Sometimes it comes close, like the little kid in SPD or the little kid in Wild Force who was a Zord. Um, but uh, 
I think they're all bad. I think they're all bad except for like one, which was Time Force. That one was with the Blue Ranger episode. Yeah, Uh, but the this was actually okay. Yeah. Um, they did an okay job here with that, like, aspirational stuff. Basically, Jimmy, because he has tiger spirit, helps them fire the cannon that's powered by their animal spirits to defeat the enemy. Um, gets to have, like, a little moment helping the rangers. And, uh, they're, like, you know, very appreciative towards him, and then he gets to brag about it and stuff, and it helps him build his confidence and all that. And One last thing... Doesn't get to fully get his powers back, but he starts to feel like, okay, I'm still useful, and I can still do things, and I will find a way to get my powers back. One thing I will say is that the the dialogue in this episode is very smart, because although you might think that it's like a kid's episode with how, you know, like, oh, the kid's going against the bully, like, it's actually like an adult teacher episode, because uh, Casey has to have a conversation with RJ or he's having a conversation with RJ in the woods. Um, and RJ's basically explaining, like, listen, man, like, they they both have stuff to learn about themselves, and the bully in particular is just, like, overcompensating for that, essentially. Yeah. And Casey's like, you're right. So it was, like, a really important teaching moment, not to mention, like, it starts off pretty pog. Like they, they just all start fighting each other for training purposes or whatever, etc. Yeah. RJ RJ gets some dunks in on Casey, so it's funny. I I think those character development moments and then the end, you know, after all of that was said and done, really like made up for sometimes like what would be a goofy episode with with kid actors involved, you know? Yeah. So the next episode is the spirit of kindness. Because Weiger failed, Daishi takes his powers from him and casts him out. Um, this upsets the other two Phantom Generals who are like, hey, we literally just in- made Daishi our king, gave him his new powers. By the way, that's also something that happened. We totally forgot. It's cool shit. Daishi gets this like improved version of his suit that's like even more gold and spiky and wild. And like, yeah, it's cool. It's great. <laughs> yeah, Daishi really gets infused cool. with the Griffin spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Camille and, gets her power too, even though mm-hmm. to the uh to the dismay of the other Phantom Beasts, because they didn't want her to have powers. But Daishi is like, nah. You're gonna give she's her my ride or die. Power too. Yeah, she's, she's my ride or die. She's general. y'all have been here for the past week or two, but if it wasn't for her, y'all wouldn't be here at all. So give her some power now. And they're yeah. like, I guess. Uh, they have like a sort of like evil, the League of Evil type villain type shit team up, which is pretty great in episode 27. There's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, okay? It's just the problem. Like, once you get past the initial hard speed bump of the beginning, everything else about the ride just keeps going like higher and higher. Yeah, in quality. if you couldn't tell by the fact that this is quite the quite the long season review yeah there's a lot to talk about uh i am gonna try to breeze through a little bit of some of this end arc stuff and like summarize so like basically camille getting these powers um starts to lead to her fighting with the phantom generals and like them like trying to like off her and some stuff and like she finally confronts one of them 
while he's like having lunch in this incredible scene where she just like kicks him in the face. And like, uh, uh, he's like, we don't trust you because you have feelings for Jared. And she's like, what? I'm loyal to Daishi. And the, the, the dude's like, no, you're hot for the human guy. And she's like, I don't think that's true. And then runs away crying um, because it's very true. And um, <laughs> yeah, Weiger's been cast out uh, because he's failed against Casey. And Weiger ends up helping Casey uh, lead him to the temple to free the masters and stuff like that. So ultimately, like, or sorry, not was it to free the masters? Why no. did what it? What was uh, Weiger's purpose with Casey? Weiger helps Casey get his animal spirit back. Right. So Weiger ends up helping Casey get his animal spirit back. And he's like, listen, like Casey's like, why, why are you going to help me get my animal spirit back? Especially because it's going to kill Weiger to do this. Um, and Weiger's like, listen, my life's over, but you're a fellow tiger. And like, just calls it on that. Yeah. It's like we're blood brothers to a certain extent, even if we're both not human. Yeah. And that that episode sort of ends with like a, because they go and they be like, ah, oh, it's a great thing that we killed the Phantom Beast, huh? Like they're like celebratory that they killed a Phantom Beast, but then Casey kind of ends it like, yeah, but like a Phantom Beast also helped us, and if it wasn't for the Phantom Beast help, y'all would be dead. <laughs> like, because <laughs> it was a a do or die moment for Casey as well. Yeah. So uh, Casey is able to. Uh get his tiger powers back. This is important, too, because the other rangers get captured during this episode. It's one of those. So, like, Casey has to save them all. Um, so, uh, he gets his tiger's power powers back. He's strong again, etc. Next up, we've got... To earn your stripes. To earn your stripes. We're getting close to the end here. The three rangers, the three main rangers, are given the opportunity to try to pass their master's exam. They face off against their master. They're told they need to beat them, but it's clear that it's not really about that per se, so much as just showing a certain level of ability. Casey seems to do fine, but when the time comes at the end, only Lily and Theo are given their master stripes. And Master Finn tells Casey, listen, I'm sorry, but this decision is final. You're not quite ready. And Casey's frustrated, and he goes to RJ, and he's like, RJ, what do I do? Help, help me train some more. And RJ's like, I'm sorry, I, I want to help you, but I, I can't now. Like, you're on the final steps of the path, and it's for, it's for you to take those final steps, period, basically, you know? And Casey's like, fuck, what do I do? And he's frustrated, and he's trying to figure it out. But Casey also, while he's frustrated, he goes for a run and he sees Dai Shi out in the woods save Camille's life and act tenderly towards her. And he starts to think, and when I say tenderly, I mean tenderly. Camille gives, gives Jared, like, the fuck me eyes. <laughs> like, yeah, she's, like, she's like, take me back to the palace and we're, I'm down for whatever. Yeah, like <laughs> she starts making noises when he picks her up. Yeah, she's like, I'm like, noise. bro, what? Like, 
<laughs> like every time he touches her, she's like, <laughs> just like making all these sounds. It's so funny. She's really, she's super hot for him by this point. It's obvious. And he is obviously also into her, especially like Jared is into it. And like, she starts to realize that too, that it's not just that she's attracted to Jared, but that's the part of this combined person that is Daishi slash Jared that is into her is Jared. It's not Daishi. Um, so she starts to have that, the, the full realization of what all this kind of is meaning. But also, Casey happens to see this happen. And so he's like, oh shit, I think Jared's still in there. We have to do something about this. Like, Daishi is not beyond redemption. Well, Jared, it's more so. Because at this point, we really need to start talking about them as separate entities for this final part. Like, and especially, they have this conversation in the mirror that's really well done. Where, like, Jared and Daishi are, like, yelling at each other. And, like, Jared is like, I don't want to do this. And Daishi is like, no one cares about you. You're a piece of shit. You're a jerk. You're going to do this because you're an asshole. And at the end of it, I'm going to fucking kill you. And you're going to know that and you're still going to do it because that's how worthless you are. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. I love it. I feel like now that we recap the beginning, I feel like Jared and Daishi like, don't really take an L on the, on the character front after this. Yeah. So after this is the Path of Righteousness, which is the second to last episode. Um, no one will listen to Casey, but Casey is, like, sure that Jared can be saved. And Dominic reminds Casey of the, the, the college novel To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, there's very much, like, a, how about some light college reading scene with yeah. Dominic? But it, it does work overall. It's just a little goofy. Um, it's a little bit scholastic book fair ad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but uh, Dominic's like, uh, you know, I really love reading books, and I'm reading a book right now about a, a guy who's persecuted by everyone around him, but sticks to his guns because he really believes that he's right. And Casey's like, all right, okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to save Jared. I don't give a shit what anyone says. And he takes off. And then Master Mao appears, which, of course, he does... He. We haven't addressed this really well, and so if you haven't watched the season in full yet, you might be a little confused. But Master Mao, you know, he dies at the beginning, and then he comes back over and over again as this, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi-type spirit. Not, like, a lot, though. Not, like, as much or as annoyingly as Sentinel Knight. It's more tasteful. Master Mao shows up, and he's like, Casey, I don't think this is gonna work, bud. Casey's like, no, nah, dude, I'm, I, listen, I'm sure that I could save Jared. And Master Mao's like, no, dude. I trained Jared for like 10 years, and I never got through to his ass. And Casey's just like, look, everything happens for a reason. You make mistakes too. Fuck it. Shut up. And just runs through Master Mao's spirit form and just takes off. Does not give a fuck. <laughs> So Casey gets to the temple and he has this whole fight with Jared and he try he's trying the whole time to convince him, Jared, I know you're in there. You need to come out. There's still good in you. 
I don't want to kill you. And finally, Casey demorphs after basically having bested Jared and just stands there and is like, if you can kill me, if all you are is evil, then kill me. And Jared wants to do it, but he can't. And at that point, Jared and Daishi finally split. And it's very painful for Jared. And he is like, that actor honestly does really well here. He is like, this is, this makes the Darth Vader no at the end of episode three look like nothing. Like, this is way more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Jared's really good in this season. Like, yeah, he's really the, the good. The actor sells it constantly. I didn't think it was goofy when he had the deep voice and then, like, he flipped to Jared and sounded like a normal dude from New Zealand. Like, none of that stuff really, I felt like, was too goofy or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. So, so Jared and Daishi split. And Daishi, like, is angry and, like, attacks Jared and Camille. But Casey and, and, and Jared and Camille are able to get away regardless. However, it's clear that things are not quite over. There's like a Phantom General or two left. There's two left. And Daishi is still angry. So the Phantom Generals go after um, them because Daishi is like, I need you to summon more fear from the people so I can finally take my final form, etc., etc. Um... So they're out there, like, trying to do, like, a final fuck shit up. But, uh, Jared and Camille basically become rangers and help. They morph back into their original forms, not the Rimzen forms given to them by the Phantom Beasts. And they are able to summon Zords. And they help form a new Megazord. And they kick a bunch of ass together. But at the end of it, Jared's still, like, they're like, hey, Jared, fight with us. The world is at stake right now. We could use you. And Jared's like, I don't know. I feel like too messed up about stuff still takes off. And that leads us to our final episode. There's a lot in this final episode. It'd be impossible for me to even describe everything that happens in this episode. Like, it's so much. But I'm going to try to get a lot of the important stuff. Daishi appears in his final form. The Rangers gotta deal with all kinds of shit to like try to defeat him and stuff jared and camille go back to the pai shua temple and hang out for a while and talk about their feelings and jared is like i just don't know if i can ever be good again i this all feels like so much to deal with i'm feeling the burden of all the evil things that i've done i don't know and finally camille is the first one to walk out as she realizes that the rangers need help. She's like, you know what? I think I can be redeemed. I'm going to go help. And leaves. <laughs> and Jared has to make the choice to eventually follow. We get a little bit of like everything towards the end of these last two episodes in terms of like the masters show up. They bring the Phantom Rangers back. We knew that this was something that they could do for good now already, just to be clear, but they do it. And, uh, you know... They bring, back put, like, the, uh, they bring back the Masters from, like, episode, what, 
Ghost of a Chance, fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 truly ancient masters, um, the spirit masters. That's what they called them, I think. Uh, that that trained them to use the master ranger form. Yeah, they come back. Um, and uh, there's a lot of just badassery. The heroes are strong and they fight hard. And uh, a lot of this is very straightforward, which is good for a Power Rangers outro. Like, the fact that this isn't a big confusing mess that I can't explain is such an improvement over so many seasons. (laughs) Yeah, ultimately, the culmination of fights leads up to a sort of final moment. Uh, You can think of it as like a one-punch moment sort sort of deal between Daishi and Jared. And Jared transforms into his lion ranger form, essentially. He, like, does that sort of move where you, like, speed flight through something to kill it. And uh, he does that with Dai Shi, and it's pretty epic. It's one of those things where it's just, like, he's atoning for his mistakes, but, like, Atonement has always been a hard thing for Power Rangers to deliver. Like, I think of, like, Wild Force, right? Which is its yeah. closest analog. But, like, there's there's other seasons, too, where they deal with, like, Six Ranger Atonement of sorts and, and all this other jazz. In this one, you truly felt like Daishi and Chameleon, or sorry, Jared and uh, Camille were just as much Rangers as the rest of them and that they belonged. Yes. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the at the the end of it all, um, Casey goes from teaching at like a a dojo to teaching at or sorry not a dojo. Casey goes from like teaching at like a a gym of sorts to uh, teaching at an academy now, kind of like a ninja storm. And Jared and Camille are starting all over again by going back to basics with Paishwa. So that's it's, really cool. That scene was great, actually. Like Casey is leading this class, and this little kid looks at Jared. And Camille, who both look like really old for this class that they're in, like uh, it's like pretty much all like little kids and like tweens, you know, like middle schoolers at the most. And this little tiny kid that's like seven or eight looks up at him. And he's like, "Aren't you old for this class?" And Jared's like, "Hey, it's never too late to start over." It's a great life lesson. It's really a cute scene, actually. Um, and then speaking of cute scenes, a couple of other very cute things happen at the end. Lily hits on Theo pretty hard towards the end. And Theo is kind of like not fully getting it or not sure what he should do about it. And he gets some encouragement that like, yo, if you're into her, you need to do something about it because she is waiting for you to say something. And he's like, like, dude, what? (laughs) Lily is incredible. Like Lily is an incredible person. Yeah. Why would you not? Why? Like yeah. you like, have if, to jump on that chance. If Lily asks you out on a date, you say yes, dumbass. But anyway, yeah. um, Theo's like, I don't know, maybe I'm unsure. And so, but at the at the end, he finally goes, Hey, you know how we usually have lunch together every Tuesday? What if that was like a date next week instead of like a friend thing? And Lily's like. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, you never ask. Dominic, he's like, well, I guess if everything's done here, I'm going to head back to traveling as I do. I've got a plane ticket to Europe. 
and he starts to walk out the door. And it's interesting because you could kind of take this next part two ways. Like, it's either like he's kind of being a little bit tricksy in his way, but I actually think that Dominic is just unsure here. Like, because he is a little bit awkward, too, in certain ways. And I don't know. It just all makes sense. But anyway, so Dominic kind of walks out the door. And Fran is obviously, like, heartbroken as he leaves. But she's, like, trying to be okay with it, you know, in that, like, adult way. Where it's like, you know, this person is an independent person. And he's off to do something. And I, I don't have any control over that. But then Dom comes back in the door and he's like, actually... I did get two plane tickets to Europe, and I was kind of hoping that Fran would come with me. <laughs> and Fran, like, freaks out, and it's very cute. It's another really, like, this is, like, a lot of really cute stuff here at the end that felt like very good resolution to a lot of things. Yeah. Like, Casey is a teacher. Jared is just trying again at the Paishwa Temple. Lily and Theo presumably are going to be happy ever after dom and fran are going to be happy ever after like rj and flit are like best of bros now yeah flit's gonna work at the pizza place he's a human again finally and like he's really happy to be a human although he's clearly very traumatized by being a fly um (laughs) at least like the next 20 years of his life is just like readjusting to being a human he's gonna have to stop vomiting five (laughs) he's five years and that's assuming he gets a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked. Um, <laughs> it's going to be lots of crying in the bathroom. <laughs> and the final scene just shows that there's like a new carving in the forbidden room at the Paishwa temple. And it's the, you know, the rangers of the modern time, specifically Casey, Lily, and Theo. We forgot to mention, so Jared does his final punch on Daishi. And it's unclear if Jared's hurt. Also, Daishi seems extremely weak. But then the, the three main rangers, they're told, hey, listen, you're the, you were the chosen protectors. You have to finish him. For real. And so they summon an ultimate form of their animal spirits. And some stuff happens. Also, there's a whole furry thing. Not going to talk about that any further. Anyway. They um, transform <laughs> into furry animals. It's very weird. But yeah, there's, there's a whole scene where a bunch of the old masters turn into furries. They didn't have to do Straight that. Up. They didn't do that the entire season. They didn't have to do that here. Even Could've when saved RJ the budget. turned into the wolf, it was a little bit furry, but not like this. Holy shit. Yeah, they didn't anyway. need to waste budget on that. They really didn't. And so, yeah, everything's given like a kind of like pretty good ending overall this is one of the best finales we've seen in power rangers in a long time this is like kind of on the level of the in space finale or something like that you know where it ends really well yeah um ranger rankings yeah let's do it there's a lot of rangers to rank there's 10 rangers to rank this season holy shit this is the most we've ever had to rank i think spirit rangers i think are a c uh, except for Master Swoop. I think Master Swoop's probably a B. <laughs> I feel kind of similar to you, except Swap Swoop for Master Fant. I really thought Master Fant stole the show a lot when he was there in this funny Yeah, that way. motherfucker's 84 years old, moving around like he's 27. It's incredible. Yeah, he literally... They do such a good job. They swap between this actor who is just old as fuck 
and then the, like a body double in like the the right like white wig and stuff who's just moving around like you know like the most in shape 22 year old you've ever seen and it's really fun i love master fant <laughs> yeah i love master swoop he's like the fucking neo character like had you told me Oh, dude, there's like this character in Jungle Fury. He's modeled after Neo. I would have stopped you right there and be like, there's no way that's good. And somehow <laughs> it fucking worked. I don't know. It's cool as fuck. The scenes with him and Theo are great, honestly. Yeah. And he's the Bat Ranger. Like, very fun. Very yeah, fun. it's very fun. I think um, no matter what, you're not going to love the Spirit Rangers the way that you'll love some of the other Rangers, but you'll probably find one that you really like. And I think even Master Finn has some really great moments. Like a, so. It's like a starter Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, let's talk uh jared and camille s both of them it's tough for me because if i'm ranking them as rangers as rangers <laughs> you know like like how much of the the cool villain shit exactly do i include is a big question for me you include all of it but i'm inclined to say that they're both s tier as well they're really good uh honestly they never dropped the ball like i was expecting them to to drop the ball and even when sometimes some of the stuff that doesn't land like i think you didn't like the whole like i did a crossword puzzle and then i turned the newspaper around and (laughs) there it is the crystal eyes uh i thought that that was funny as fuck (laughs) um but like even when you take away moments like that i still feel like Hey, uh, there is constantly when the Rangers might fumble a bit, you can always count on the Daishi subplot to carry you through the season. Yeah, true that. Whether that's with the action or the dialogue, it's I'm it's always say on point. Something that I don't think you'll agree with at all. Okay, but I'm tempted to give S status to almost every other Ranger this season. <laughs> Like, these are some good characters. Unusually good characters. And I can really tell you that by the end of the season, I felt a lot of things about all of the characters. And that, like, I could really tell you a lot about them and that they really had developed a lot over the course of the season. However... I'm not actually going to be quite that generous. <laughs> I think they're all A. The rest of the Rangers are all A. Um, varying degrees of A. I think, in my opinion, Theo is probably the lowest of the A's. Um, just because I, I found him annoying. Like, I found him annoying in the beginning. And I don't think he really, like, surpassed that. Like, he was still kind of like a prick towards the end. But... There, there had, there was like multiple, there, there was like multiple ego checks that he had to go through to develop into that A. Definitely. I feel. Definitely. I would say I, I agree with that. I would Casey say and Lily me, is hard for me. I would say Casey and Lily are the ones that edge into S tier. I think Casey is actually my favorite Red Ranger. I really like. More than Carter? Yeah. I, I he, really like He's Casey. too goofy. I like his development. I like that he's a little goofy, but at the same time, he didn't feel underpowered. Like, 
especially as it went on. Like, he felt strong and tough and like he had some willpower. The actor really pulled off a lot of the scenes surprisingly well later on, especially. Um, and, like, I think especially, like, around the time that, like, Casey just, like, walked through this, like, line of vampires just, like, destroying them with his bare hands and just, like, screaming because he's just angry. Like, I was like, this is, like, one of the best Red Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think he's the best Red Ranger just because there's too many scenes of him where it's just, like, dog, like, you should have known better. Or, like, really, dude, like, you, like, I, I don't know, like, I think back to, like, him being scared of, of something in the closet still. But I think that's cool, because I don't think we've had a really relatable Red Ranger like this very much. And he's really relatable, and that's fun. I like that. Um, if he's S-tier so, to me, he's, he's, like, the new, like, he's low you gotta, so like... Good. I mean, I'm not saying he has to be S tier for you. He could be A for you. It's fine. But he's like low. He's definitely very low S tier for me. And then actually, I've given it a lot of thought. And Lily is my favorite ranger this season. She has the best episodes. She's very consistent. She's one of the best yellow rangers probably ever. She's Um, too consistent is my problem with Lily. Lily has horizontal character development. She doesn't have, she doesn't go any direction. The the difference is the difference between the beginning of the season Lily and the end of the season Lily is more screen time. She doesn't change I don't as a think person. That's entirely true. I think Lily becomes more sure of herself. I think that she becomes uh, a lot more. When was she ever unsure of herself? She's she's not really able to take charge of things as cleanly at first, and like she's a little bit headstrong but then like also like she has to kind of like grapple with some things also i think that she learns to work with other people in these ways that she doesn't understand at first i think that's a big part of lily's character growth too she actually is a lot like major kira from deep space nine in certain ways where like major kira is already kind of this super badass when you meet her but is that enough does that mean she's perfect in every way no lily is not always good at, like, navigating certain social situations. And, like, the episode with Master Fant, like, it's not just her breaking Master Fant down, it's also her learning some things, too, about herself and about other people and things like that. I do think she changes. I think that she becomes more well-rounded and more certain of herself but also better able to communicate with others and trust others and work with others in different ways and things like that too is it as significant as like casey's character growth no but i don't think that she needs to have like amazing character growth to necessarily be absolute s tier i think being an incredible character and then doing some growth and always being consistent and having some of the best episodes is just barely gonna carry her there to me and like she was really my favorite ranger this season at the end of it i thought it might be someone else at different points but she really carried the show a lot i felt i just don't think she takes a significant l this season she doesn't i don't think she takes a significant l to an extent that would give her like more growth than being able to be more communicative with her team 
Because that's really so the what difference. Makes you happy? You think Theo takes too many L's? You think she doesn't take enough? Like, <laughs> I think we Lily... had other bold heroic characters that didn't have a ton of flaws. TJ comes to mind as like not TJ. <laughs> that guy doesn't TJ... have a ton of flaws, you know? Like. In fact, his most flawed episode is when he briefly doesn't remember shit, but then he's still so noble that he just instantly chooses to be a Power Ranger again. I think what separates TJ and Lily is acting ability. Is my opinion. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess, like, if I was to rate this right now, and I might change it by the end, by, after we give our closing thoughts on the season... Like, RJ, I don't think, ever reaches S. I think he's always an A, despite the fact that he has some of the best character development of all and time in Power Rangers. Like, really he just cool talks like this, and, like, you gotta understand that this is always how he talks, and, you know, you just gotta be okay with that. And sometimes it's not always gonna be appealing to your ears. You're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, like he does too much of that, and I fucking hate it after a while. Like towards the end, I'm like, please stop. <laughs> but he has such intelligent dialogue uh, that you wouldn't expect for a kids show in his interactions with other rangers that it like fucking elevates the shit out of him. And then the decisions he makes is like huge, impactful for the season. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just the. The personality quirks, and then he also, like, the first, yo, he was the worst part of the beginning of the season. So he just never reaches S, unfortunately. Yep, um, Dom, Dom doesn't get the screen time necessary to be an S. He's a good character that you like, and he grows a I don't little, think Dom is even an A. I think Dom's a B. I had a feeling for being honest. Say that, but I absolutely can't agree. He's definitely, like, a low A for me. He needed more screen time and more development. But there's That's so many my thing. small scenes with him that I really like. A lot of his little, like, tiny interactions with other characters were some of the best of any character. And all of that little stuff adds up to just kind of save him for me. I just really enjoyed a lot of things about that character. And he was different than... They both managed to make him kind of similar and different to a lot of the archetypes that they usually go with for that I originally had him pegged as a C and then all of his character interactions, cause he's still a unique sixth ranger. I'll give him that. And he's not a bad actor. All of his character interactions, I felt punched them up to a B and even a high B, but I don't think he's better than Theo and Theo. I already rank low on the A's. <sighs> I can, I can see why Casey and Lily would be S's. Here's what I'll say. Agree, here's what I'll say. But... Here's what I'll say to you. <laughs> Here's what I'll say to you. And we'll, what what other rangers do we have to do? That's it, right? That's it. We're done. Okay. So for now, tentatively, tentatively, I will say that Casey, I think, probably matches up to Billy. Like Billy levels. Yeah. Of like good. So I would probably put them at high A's. I I don't think he crosses the Jen Rivers line. You can pitch to me that uh that uh Lily is better than Jen. Like, you, you can argue that to me. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. I can agree with you on that. But I think Casey 
is basically on the same level as Billy for me. Which is, yo, like, that's, you know how much that's I love good. Billy. I mean, how many Rangers are on this list at this point? I don't even fucking know, okay? So, like, yeah, it's still meaningful. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get right into the season review. What score are we giving this season? Because I'm letting you know right now, my feelings before we watch the finale and before we rewatch some of those episodes, which I'll get into that in a little bit, um, was that I was already being like, this is a nine. If it lands the ending, it's a 10. I think this is better than in space. And in space, I gave a nine. I gave it like a 9.0. So I would say it's at least better than that. I think I gave Ninja Storm a 9.5. I think this is better than Ninja Storm because if you really think about it, like Ninja Storm definitely had like some really awesome vibey California moments, which by the way, this takes place in California, but this is like the least believable season of the bunch that actually takes place in California. But I felt like I was constantly entertained. Like the Shonen stuff was fucking great. Daishi and Camille were fucking great. The Phantom Beasts were great. Grizaka, Jellica, Carnosaur all together were great. The Rangers improved as the season went along. You know, at first I was like, mm, these Rangers kind of bad or not that great. They're kind of like a, a C or a B maybe. Um, but they definitely like punched up and showed how excellent they are as the season went on. So I'm willing to say this is like a 9.5, maybe a 9.6. Wow. This is like either tied with Ninja Storm or a little bit better than Ninja Storm. And the only reason why I'm giving it like a lower score than a 10, where like I consider like Lightspeed Rescue to be at, is that RJ's character still, even at the end of the show, reads like a dude is going to sell you massage therapy and like is all about like holistics and herbal essences. He still has that like same vibe as that and that like sticks through to the very end and it does stumble a little bit you can't really disregard the fact that this season has kind of a bad beginning yeah the first couple episodes are good and then you know it just kind of it teeters a bit and then we had to skip like four episodes because they're filler we did not include one episode that was in the like in the the filler episodes which introduced the motorcycle episode i don't fucking care how many times you use that mode it it never works. Yeah, that shit sucked. It fucking sucks. This season benefited a lot from that filler guide. Because I think had we had episodes that like we did watch that were filler, especially towards the end, we would be feeling more like Mystic Force. We're like, uh, didn't really need to waste an episode on all of that, right? Towards the yeah. end. <clears throat> um, but it definitely benefits the most from it. And also, it's rewatchable. It's one of the most rewatchable seasons you can watch, especially now that you know that like the moments between Daishi and Camille where he was kind was actually Jared and like how that stacks up over time. So I think that that's definitely a factor that's in the season. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, had the season had a better beginning, I would have been liable to give it a 10. Yeah. I also would like to add that like the Shonen shit in this is like <laughs> really Kino. Cool. It's really yeah. Kino. I'm not quite, I'm not quite as inclined to rank it 
as highly. I think where I fall is more like an 8.5. Damn, um, this is, is our biggest variance. Probably, yeah. Which is, it's still good, but there's a number of things that really I ultimately did not like about this season. And although many of them went away as it went on, some of them didn't. Or some of them didn't entirely go away or are different things. And like the intro, the intro song <laughs> sucks. It's really bad. Um, I know the you already will die. She flan power Rangers. <laughs> I know you already mentioned it, but um, Casey's stupid motorcycle attack <clears throat> flit. We did not talk about flit a lot, but flit is one of the big things that ruins some of the early episodes. And to be honest, I don't like him at any point. I don't like him when he's a little bit more likable towards the end. I still don't like him. I don't care if he's a little bit more likable. Like, he's still very annoying. His character design looks weird and out of place. Even when he becomes a human, I just found even that cringe and unnecessary. And, like, something I didn't need in my episode. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I also think, like, uh, there were some plots that didn't really add up that well. And although, like, we brushed past a lot of that, like, I can't ignore it in my final rating entirely. Um, And especially, I want to say, like, one of the cringiest things that we didn't talk about is how RJ stops being a werewolf. All right. This entire interaction is like a half a point off of my score. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <clears throat> RJ and Fran like end up in the loft and RJ has turned into werewolf form and he's dangerous. And like RJ like pins Fran on the ground in this way that's really uncomfortable and very sexual. And then Fran's like, you won't hurt me, RJ. We're friends. And they, like, touch hands like E.T. or some shit. And then, like, RJ just, like, turns back to normal and he's like, you broke the spell, Fran. Thank you. And just takes off. And, like, that sucked. (laughs) Like, that sucked. Everything about what I just described sucks ass. It's not quite kissing a frog level, but it was cringe. And, uh, Stuff like that. There was just a little too much of those things that kept bothering me. And an 8.5 is still a really good score. I mean, I'm putting it ahead of Mystic Force, which I liked a lot. I'm putting it ahead of a lot of other seasons that I thought were good. But I can't say that I liked it as much as Lightspeed Rescue or Ninja Storm or Time Force. Or in Or space. even in space. Fair enough. Um, I... I do agree. I think that I, I think I like blocked that out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, now that I'm remembering it, yeah, that was a really shitty part. I think honestly, like RJ and the whole, like not being able to control his spirit animal thing was like too long. And a little um, furry. Yeah. And a little furry. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, I think that RJ's think character a split for us to have, I think that this season is complex enough that it has provoked us to have different responses to the Rangers and the season itself and which episodes were the best. And that's kind of cool. 
Because a lot of times, our ratings are fairly in line with each other. And they're also a lot of times somewhat in line with like IMDb and stuff like that. Not always, to be clear. Sometimes we think the best episode is like a 7 on IMDb, or we think something that people rate as like a 9 is trash. It's not consistent all the time, but a lot of the time, like I say, our ratings of this show, we're consistent with each other, and we're also consistent with what a lot of other people have said about the show. I think it's really interesting to have a season where we can't agree. Like, that it alone speaks to this being a very interesting and unique season. And I will say that even if it's not a 10, I do consider this season to take steps forward in terms of developing this show. The cinematography is better than any season before it. I really want to emphasize that. Some of the writing is a lot smarter than any season before it. And, like, there's other ways in which the Power Rangers as a concept is maturing in this season. And that needs to be, like, even if this isn't a 10, this should be on your watch list if you really want to, like, dive deep into the most interesting parts of the Power Rangers. We got, di- we enjoyed different things out of this season. Because I had a conversation with you prior to us watching the show again together was I really enjoyed the fighting. I really enjoyed the action sequences. I really enjoyed the Daishi stuff more than anything else in the season. You really enjoyed the pizza shop moments, the character interactions there more so than everything else in the season. Yeah, I was saying that that was the weakest part. You know, so like we enjoyed vastly different things from this season that ultimately were all great at the end of the day. Because if I said that the action sequences are an S, the pizza shop sequences are like a B and the other side stuff is like an A and you go, well, actually, this is an S. This is a B and this is an A. Like, okay, cool. We're still watching an excellent show, right? Yeah. Whether it's an 8.5 or a 9.5, we've rated it very highly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. So if we average it out to a nine, well, it's a low A, but it's an A. Yeah, for sure. And with that being said, Rangers, we will catch you guys next time for the best and worst. And then Power Rangers RPM. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.